They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am here with another edition of Matt Madness Unsanctioned. I am your host, Ron Pashery, and my guest this week. This is another one that has been a long time in the making, at least a year and a half. Uh, a reader of TJR Wrestling when I was writing there. Uh, Mr. Tom Scully, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me on, Ron. Yeah, Appreciate it. like I said, you, you said you reached out to me right, before, right after I wrote the article on the Performance Center, which was October of 2015. So it's yes, been sir. quite some time. Um, have you been reading TJR for a while? Have you been following John Canton for a while? Oh, yeah, a long time. I, I was on Twitter for a while, and then I was off. I just jumped mm-hmm. back on in early February. But I've been reading his stuff probably, gosh, at least five, six years, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. But I read his raw deal every week and such, and... <laughs> His Q&As he posts on there, so he does a pretty good job, I think. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's very good at what he does. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time. I remember reading him, like, way back, and I infamously took a seven-year hiatus from watching wrestling. And, like, I obviously I forgot all the websites I used to read back in the day. And uh, just so happened, right after I started watching again, a buddy was like, oh, John Canton's looking for writers. And I said, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I'll throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. I had no idea. I figured there's no way I'm going to, he's going to ask me to do this. <clears throat> and then somehow it happened and I got to meet people like you. So nice. It, it all nice. worked out. Um, Great. So I'll start off with the, the first question that I ask everyone who comes on. Obviously you wouldn't be here if you didn't love professional wrestling. So what is Correct. it that made you fall in love with professional wrestling? Well, I think I started I started watching it uh, not too far after the infancy of cable television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm a man of faith, and I used to go to church every Saturday at 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. and it would get out at 6. And afterwards, <laughs> you'd come home, and at 6.05 on WTBS, they had Georgia <laughs> Championship Wrestling on. Wow. And I just started watching it uh, on Saturdays at 6.05. This is before, you know, WWF was real mm-hmm. big on, on cable television. And it was uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. It was uh, Ivan Koloff, Butch Reed, Tommy Rich, Buzz Sawyer, uh, Ronnie Garvin, guys like that. And then uh, not too long after that, then WWF became more prevalent on cable as right. well. Uh, they were on USA uh, they had the primetime wrestling show that was later, but they used to do a show at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. on channel 50 out of Detroit, <laughs> which was considered cable. And it was the, uh, the small shows they'd run in Poughkeepsie, New York. Okay. And it was mostly all squash matches, of course, <laughs> but, uh, Vince McMahon and, uh, Bruno San Martino did the commentary. Oh, wow. And, and then they did another show at 12 o'clock on USA called all American wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that was just um, either Vince or Lord Alfred Hayes <laughs> in, like, the studio. And they would, like, you know, talk about the matches. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, a real uh, formal show. It was just kind of more or less showing wrestling matches. And they would kind of talk about it after the matches were done. Right. But um, back in those days, that was pretty much all there was. And on Sundays, you had that two-hour block. Yeah. 11 a.m. to 1, 1 p.m. where you, you could watch wrestling for two hours, you know. And, in fact, the 12 to 1 show, the All-American Wrestling Show in USA, that was when I first found out about the big title change 
that that um, you know catapulted the Hogan era, the wrestling right. boom was when he beat the Iron <laughs> Sheik for the title in January of '84. And, and so you were already before. really invested in wrestling by the time that happened. Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I was just it was you know maybe. Uh, 12, 11, 12 years old at the time, your friends at school, mm-hmm. the wrestling was cool back then, you know, <laughs> yeah. to follow. And, and uh, yeah, and you started watching that and uh, still watched the Georgia Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. which eventually became NWA years later. But, um, yeah, that's how it started. And, uh, you know, I've always liked the mystique about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the mystique about the bad guys are really the villains <laughs> in that, and, and the good guys are, like, going to be your best friends, yeah. you know, and, of course, those days are long over, but um, yeah, I just like that and just the uh, you know the wrestling part of it and the more or less show business and such. But uh, I really like the mystique, and it's funny because the wrestling business, I think, as a whole, has lost the mystique. Uh, absolutely. And I'm a big I'm a big fan of Bray Wyatt, and I think mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt is one of the few characters left that has any mystique, you know. And um, yeah, you know, I've, I've always kind of you know, been kind of mesmerized about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, how guys, you know, they really are, you know, so and but that's so how I started like, back <clears throat> in the early eighties in the infancy of cable. And, and, uh, you know, I took a break from it as you did mm-hmm. too, you know, and go through different periods of your life where you kind of lose interest yeah. or, you know, whatnot. So kind of been back and forth, really been heavy into it again, probably since about, 2006 maybe 2007 okay so you were getting back in like right as i was jumping off and i got back in like late 2013 okay so you so you saw a lot of the stuff that i missed (laughs) yeah yeah but it's kind of you know you're still a casual i was still a casual fan you know during the attitude era and uh you know there was a time after wrestlemania 19 they kind of lost me i've never been a big kurt angle fan which no john (laughs) canton will not like me to say But uh, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, I've never really been a big fan of it. I thought the WrestleMania 19 match was not good, although the Jericho-Michaels match was fantastic. Mm -hmm. But they kind of lost me a little bit after that, and then, like I said, I kind of got back into it, you know, and really heavy into it now, of course. So So now two two things that I want to kind of get into based based off of of what you just said there. One thing is I'll start with you, you said you liked the mystique of it. And how Bray Wyatt is one of very few characters who has any mystique about him. Um, so one thing is, would you say you like? Would you do you like characters that are more based out of reality than in reality? Like, is, is that maybe a reason why you weren't super into Lesnar and Angle because they were portrayed as these actual legitimate shoot wrestlers, whereas somebody like Bray Wyatt or maybe the Undertaker are not portrayed that way. They're, they're portrayed as a character that's something totally different from that. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. I just um, to, like, know everything about somebody and just, you know, have them do these interviews and not, you know, always breaking character. And you just never, like, with Bray Wyatt, you just never know, you know. Even with the <laughs> things he did last week on SmackDown, you just never know, really, where he's headed mm-hmm. with that. And, um yeah, you know, uh, it's always, I've always been fascinated by that, I guess, you know. Oh, so you, you like more not knowing what's behind the curtain than, than yeah, so much that, that the character is more fictitious. Sure, sure. I mean, that's what kind of hooked me in the 80s because, you know, everybody, you believed everything yeah. they told you, you know. <laughs> and uh, you thought, you know, when you go to the arena to see these guys, you'd be like, gosh, I hope I don't see the bad guy in the street. He's going to kill me, you know. 
or the good guy. I guess I hope I see him. He's going to be my friend, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> or if I'm with the good guy, when I see the bad guy, he'll beat up the bad guy. Yeah, so right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the kind of the other thing was you, you mentioned you started out watching um, like territory wrestling. Yes. Um, so obviously the territory days are over. Um, it's a whole different animal. Like wrestling right now is a TV show. It's not as much of a live in-person event as it used to be. Did you prefer more of the territory type wrestling or do you prefer the level of production that goes into the product now? Territory for sure. Um, I mean, I I love the product today. Absolutely. I'm drinking the coolie like everybody else and (laughs) Monday nights and Tuesday nights on there every week, no matter what, you know, and on Sundays too, Mm -hmm. once a month or whatever it is. But yeah, the territories were great because you guys, you know, coming in and out of there, you know, every few months, something you'd see some new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had Georgia Championship Wrestling was coming to Michigan a lot. They would come probably once a month for maybe three or four months. Then you wouldn't see them again for three or four months. And each time they would come back, you know, there'd be maybe some new people that you haven't seen before and, you know, coming in and out of there, you know. And um, I think it was more simpler back then uh, during the territory days. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just, um, yeah, you had Georgia Championship Wrestling you could watch on TV. AWA was on ESPN for a while in the 80s. You could see that. Yeah, I of remember course, WWF. on ESPN. Yeah, WWF. They used to show Mid-South every once in a while, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've ever watched any of the Mid-South stuff from, like, on the WWE Network or mm-hmm. um, there's a Mid-South DVD that's out there. It's excellent. In fact, Jim Ross was a commentator back then. Yeah, I actually, he mentioned it on his podcast, and I, I bought it as soon as he mentioned it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was really good. Um Saw that every once in a while, but everything else was pretty. Had to rely on the wrestling magazines. And I was a kid and a teenager. You used to go down to the, you know, they, they had Young's Reading Center here. And <laughs> once a month, you go down waiting for the latest wrestling magazines mm-hmm. to come out because you'd find out what goes on in these other territories. <laughs> and they do all the rankings. Oh, really? They do the rankings. Like, in fact, I talked to Bill after about this when I was <laughs> when I saw him last summer in North Carolina because mm-hmm. he was the one that did those rankings. Yeah. And they'd have the PWI top top ten. Mm-hmm. And the top three were always the NWA champion, which was Flair, mm-hmm. the WWF champion, which was Hogan, and the AWA champion, which was Rick Martel. Rick Martel <laughs> had the title for over a year. And every month we'd go back and see you know, who was one, two, or three. <laughs> it was usually Hogan and Flair were usually one and two. Flair yeah. was usually one, and Martel was usually three. And then one month they flipped it to Hogan, and we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Now, were you more of a Hogan guy or a Flair guy at that time? Flair guy, for sure, yeah. <clears throat> I really respect what Hogan gave to the business. He mm-hmm. was a great performer, you know, terrific performer. But uh, Flair was just, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I was kind of joking about this with some work friends. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I used to wear the suit and the sunglasses. <laughs> Did I you really? thought it was Ric Flair, you know? So, <laughs> so you were emulating your teenage life after Ric right. Flair. Oh, that's right, great. Right, right. <laughs> How did it go? Were people buying it? No. <laughs> so he did Looking little... back on it, it was funny, though, you know. So, so But he did it a but, little uh, better than you were able to do as a teacher. Yeah, and of course, you know, years years later, you found out he was living the gimmick, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah that, there was nothing uh, nothing really put on about that. Nothing, that was absolutely yeah. who he was and who he still is. Right, if, right, if still is, yeah. you see videos that people will post of him from time to time, he sure. definitely still believes that's who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just saw him the other day. He posted something on Twitter there. He's getting picked up at the airport, the limo, and he had the sunglasses and the women around him. And yeah. <laughs> All he's missing is yeah. the title now. 
That's right. It's the yeah, only thing. That's right. Um, so now we know what, what it is that made you fall in love with wrestling. What is it now that, that kind of made you stay once you came back? You know, I think that it's just in my blood. You know, <laughs> I think that once you're a fan, you probably always are, even though you kind of lost it for a while mm-hmm. and kind of didn't, you know, more of a casual, hey, if it's on, I'll watch it. If it's not, I'm not going to go out of my way to be home Monday nights at 8 o'clock, you know, yeah. or Tuesday nights now at 8 o'clock. But, uh, you know, I still like the characters. I still like the the uh, performance. Um, I still enjoy the wrestling, of course. You know, I can I still appreciate a great wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's difficult to describe. Um, I like, like you say, when we talked before, at least seeing a lot of these, a lot of these guys that were you know, working the Indies and ROH for years now yeah. succeeding, you know, in WWE, you know, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, Tyler mm-hmm. Black, you know, Seth Rollins, yeah. Claudio Castagnoli, who's mm-hmm. Cesaro, although I like to see Cesaro bumped up the card a little yeah. bit more, you know. <laughs> You're not alone but, there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, you know, I, I just... I don't know. I think I'm just hooked, you know? So. Yeah, I, I mean, I know how it is. Like, I, there was a point when I I legitimately thought, I think this was, like, coming down from the Attitude Era, like, 03, 04, I was starting to sour a little bit. And my mindset was, like, there's no, none of these guys, like, and I always associate it with guys like Orton, um, Cena, Batista, like, guys like that that were coming in. And I'm like, these guys are never going to be HBK. These guys are never going to be Austin. They're never going to be The Rock. So why am I watching this anymore? Like, the best days are, are over. Right. And I kind of just tuned out. And then the, the WWE Network came out, and I was a little bit interested. Like, oh, well, what's the WWE Network? $10 a month? And I started talking to some people. I was like, so wait, you're telling me I can watch any pay-per-view I want whenever I want? I can watch any HBK match whenever I want? I can watch any Macho Man match anytime I want for $10 a month? Of course I'll get this. It's stupid not to. And right. then that's what got my foot in the door. And then I was like, oh, let me watch Raw and see what's on, and then it kind of went from there. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right, because, like, once you have a love for it, even if you go away, once you come come back, it, it sinks its teeth, like, right back. Into <laughs> right, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, the WWE Network, speaking of that, <clears throat> I, that, the network debuted in February of uh, 14, and CM Punk walked out in January of 14, mm-hmm. and I was – livid about yeah. that because i thought he was a great performer you know still do yeah and uh i was just upset about him leaving and just the raw deal he got and uh so i boycotted i didn't i didn't buy the network for a year until almost wow, right you held out for a while right because i was trying to make a point that you know i mean granted one person they don't mm-hmm. care you know but i'll try to make a point hey listen you're not gonna get my money you know for a while because i'm still sour on what happened yeah. with this guy who you know, when he was on Raw, I'll admit, if I was, you know, doing laundry or doing something around the house or something, and Raw was on, the minute I hear a cult of personality, I stopped. <laughs> and I'm like, something great is going to happen because he always had the best segment, you know? Yeah. And I was a fan of his in the ROH, and when he came over to ECW, I'm glad he had, got a chance to keep his name. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've always been a fan of his, and uh, I think he's a great performer. Arguably one of the best performers they've had the last 10 years, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I know you're a fan of his as well. Mm-hmm. So. A big fan. Now, so I started with the network uh, March of 14. So, like, it led into, I, and I ordered it with the sole purpose, I'm going to watch old stuff and that's it. And then I tuned into Raw a couple weeks, and then it was that Sunday of WrestleMania 30, and I was like, I can watch WrestleMania if I want to. I don't have to pay a pay-per-view for it. 
So I just kind of turned it on, and that was I was kind of off to the races. Now, one thing that I think a lot of a lot of current fans talk about is that the level of talent now. I've heard this a lot that the talent roster now is deeper than it's ever been before. There's more talent there than ever before. Obviously, a lot of the people who say that are comparing it to the Attitude Era to now. You obviously have seen, even before then, even before WWF was the only game in town, do do you agree with that assessment that this is the most talent they've ever had, or is it just different talent? I don't know if it's the most talent they've ever had, but remember, they got a lot of content to fill. They've mm-hmm. got three hours on Mondays, two hours on Tuesdays, and, you know, whatever else they, you know, the superstars and the, uh, you know, pay-per-view once yeah. a month or whatnot. So I think they need to be deep to fill all that content. Mm-hmm. Now, while I agree, I think the talent roster is fantastic, and that's why it, it, it frustrates me when they bring these part-time guys in. <laughs> they won't get out of the way and let these younger guys, you know, have a chance, you know? And, uh... Yeah, it's just you know you look at the you know if you you look at the WrestleMania poster, mm-hmm. the first three four people in the front are all are all uh, part timers. The first, in fact, the first one they put out, Kevin Owens wasn't even in it. <laughs> he did title for six and a half months, and the guy's not even on your WrestleMania poster. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Bray Wyatt's like yeah. real small in the background. Yeah. AJ, and he's got one, and he's, in the and he's holding your number one title. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so. With that, we've talked about what made you fall in love, what keeps you around now. Next question that I ask everyone, and I know you you started to go down this road a little bit. There's one guy that I know is on there. Uh, Mm Who is your all-time Mount Rushmore for pro wrestling? All-time Mount Rushmore is uh, CM Punk. Mm -hmm. John Cena. Okay. I know a lot of people will probably boo and hiss about that, (laughs) but John Cena... You know, I think he's a great performer. I think he has a lot of respect for the business. Mm-hmm. He's proud to be in the business, yeah. which I know a lot of guys aren't necessarily proud to be in the business. He's very proud of that. And to be honest with you, I really admire what he does outside the ring for those mm-hmm. kids. And that's that's why he's on the list. A lot of respect for him. He, 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 and now he's not working on the house shows as much as he used to. But, gosh, we need a title there, you know, 06, 07, 08. Gosh, he was at all the house shows, you know, which is – not a lot of guys do, you know. Right. Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're my favorite. They're one of the first heels I, I rooted for, except for Randy Savage. Randy Savage is probably the first heel I rooted for. <laughs> and uh, the Midnight Express were uh, just, Cornette was a great talker. Mm-hmm. I met him also at the last summer. And uh, I just, you know, they were bad guys. And they went against the Rock and Roll Express, who I hated. <laughs> And I'm telling you, Ron, the Rock and Roll Express were in WWE today. They would get booed off television, I'll tell you. So they, they're great, definitely great lucky workers, they were around though. when they were. Yeah, great workers, though, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Um, and I, I'm going with an, another territory, guys, uh, on that Mount Rushmore, and it's Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Wow, those, those are good, too. <laughs> yeah, we just lost Ivan Koloff here a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. But Nikita just played that Russian character that just perfect, perfect. <laughs> and he lived the gimmick, too. Yeah. He spoke Russian. He changed his name to Nikita Koloff legitimately. And I met him last summer, also a real nice guy. And, um, yeah, I just thought those guys were great performers. And uh, it's funny because um, Ivan Koloff was in the main event of the very first live show I ever went to. Really? I was in, like, fifth fifth grade this is probably <laughs> 1983 and uh and then 
fast forward a couple of years, they were still in the, in the NWA Georgia championship wrestling. And Ivan and Nikita wrestled the road warriors in a Russian chain match right here in town. Wow. And, uh, this was back in the day where now you can't get near the ring, but back mm-hmm. in those days, you could walk right up to the ring when they came <laughs> out, put your hand right on the canvas, reach up and, and grab the ropes. <laughs> and I, I remember grabbing the ropes and I was telling my friends that these are hoses. These are garden hoses, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure back then they're on a budget, you know, and, yeah. and whatnot. But, um, and I remember you could like walk up, remember him putting the chains up in the corner. Cause back in those days, you, whatever you brought to the ring, you just hung up in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you're the best, you know, and he's like, that's right. And uh, I'll never forget that. I was telling that story to people when he passed away here a couple weeks ago. But, um, yeah, because those are real characters, guys. So you were even just... rooting for them at the time. Right, right. I love like I love Ivan Nikita. You to appreciate the heels as you got older. You sure, liked them absolutely, at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially guys that never broke character. You know, like the Iron Sheik never, hardly ever breaks character, you know, and mm-hmm. I admire his heel work, you know. And, um yeah, I would say those probably are are my four. I would I would put on my Mount Rushmore. So I love those for, for one reason. So usually when I tell people this is a question I ask beforehand because uh, I don't like to surprise anybody. I like people to know where they're going with it. I say answer how you want. Some people will answer the people they think are the four best in ring workers of all time. Some people may think the four biggest stars of all time. Some people mm-hmm. it might be just my four favorites of all time. I don't have any rule. It has to be this, this, or that. It's just whatever your interpretation of it is, that's what I want it to be. And my hope is everybody I talk to has one that's a little different because we all watch wrestling differently. We all enjoy wrestling in different ways. And so I like that everybody's a little different. Now, yours is very different from anybody else that I've had on here because you have – I don't think anybody who would have CM Punk on their Rushmore would also have John Cena on their Rushmore, (laughs) which I find interesting. Um, Right, right. And Cena, I agree. Now, were you always in on Cena, or is he somebody you learned to respect over the years? Learned to respect over the years, yeah. Yeah, when he had the title there in 06 or whatever it was for a whole over a whole year. Mm-hmm. The only reason he lost is because he broke his collarbone yeah. in that match with uh, Mr. Kennedy mm-hmm. in Cleveland there in Monday Night Raw, and he had to relinquish the title. But, uh, yeah, I've just always respected his work. And, um, like I said, he's, just, he's proud to be in the business, you know. And uh, that's everybody. That's everybody's knocking Lex Luger. He was not proud to be in the business, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just like I said, I respect what he does for the kids too, you know. Yeah, my feeling on Cena was, was like I said, I associated him a lot with why I stopped watching. Like, ah, I can't get into this guy. And so I always just had this negative perception of him. And then when I started watching again, I you know, even though I wasn't watching, I heard people talking about him. You know, the whole how he buries everybody, and I. I just was over him before I even really started watching. And I tune into WrestleMania 30, and I'm, like, livid that he beat Bray Wyatt. And then the Wyatts ultimately overcome him in the cage match, and then he loses in the last man standing match. And I'm thinking, okay, so Cena just killed Bray Wyatt, who's, like, one of the new guys that I really like. And I just was on that train for, like, a year and a half. And then I just got to a point, and it must have been during his U.S. title run, where a lot of the quote-unquote smart fans were complaining that he was just burying every one of these new guys one by one, like Neville, Sami Zayn. I mean, even though Owens beat him, he beat Owens twice. Rusev. And I think I started to realize, like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, he's winning these matches, but what is Neville going to to come up to this main roster and do that's going to make people care about him uh, other than have a great match with John Cena and 
have a couple great near falls against him. Or Sami Zayn, a lot of these fans don't know who he is. He gets to come up and look great against John Cena. He was putting a lot of these guys on the map for people who don't watch NXT. And I was thinking on Raw every week, he has a great match. He's making the United States Championship like one of the things you want to see on Raw. And right. he kept himself out of the main event picture for so long. Like you said, it's, it's impossible to not respect what he does for kids, what he does for the company. Because um, like where The Rock decided he was going to go be a movie star, John Cena is going out and then trying to bring peop- like new fans back with him by coming back right. all the time. So I do have a lot of respect for him for how much he respects the business, the company, and what he means to it. Um, sure. So he's won me over over the course of the last two years. So it's interesting that you kind of – like you came to that conclusion over time too. You, didn't, you weren't just, I like John Cena. Um, right. And, you, I mean, you could argue – I mean, I guess it's not even an argument. He's the biggest star they've had since The Rock left. I don't know if there's anybody else even close. No, can't argue that. Um, now, do you feel that – because I've heard – and again, I wasn't really watching at the time, so I don't know if this is true, but I've been told that there was a period where CM Punk was outselling John Cena merchandise-wise. I don't yeah, know I if believe that's that. true or not. I believe that, yeah. Do you think CM Punk could have filled those shoes had they allowed him to, or do you think – Cena's shoes were a little too big for anyone to fill, including CM Punk. That's a great question. I don't know. I guess it depends on how he's how he was presented and how he was mm-hmm. booked. Um, I, I think CM Punk is an excellent excellent performer, as talented as anybody on the ring, talented as anybody on the microphone, mm-hmm. commentary, you name it. Just like his uh, pipe bomb there yeah. a few years ago. <laughs> Um, boy, I, I don't know if he could be like the spokesman like John Cena mm-hmm. was. I don't know if you remember when all the with the Benoit stuff went down, and John Cena went all that went on the talk show mm-hmm. circuit, and Larry King and whatnot, and he basically was their face of the company, saying, yeah. "Listen, you know this is not what we're about. This is not exemplify what our superstars are, and you know we have drug policies in effect. We're you know." This is not prototypical of what goes on here, basically to be the face of the company and defend, you know, everything that happened. Um, boy, that, that's a great question. I, I don't I don't want to say yes or no for sure. Um, I'm not, we have no really way to know. know. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to know for sure. But, um, I, yeah, I think his in-ring wise, I think he was as good as Cena. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, yeah, as far as the, the speaking and all that outside of the company, I, I don't know. Um, I guess he wasn't really put in that position, so we really don't yeah. know for sure. Yeah, but I loved, his four, I loved his 434-day title reign. <laughs> I wish he could have held on to it longer. Yeah. Dropped it to another part-time performer. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, never really won a big match after that, unfortunately. And that was part of the reason that led to his exit from the company. Yeah. Um, that, so that's one of the things I think. I think a lot of us... You know, people like us who, again, consider ourselves smart fans. We don't, we're not buying into just what they're selling us. We kind of watch it from our own point of view. I think a lot of that group of people like to think or want to believe that if that CM Punk just wasn't given the opportunity and that's the only reason he came short of John Cena. Or they would think that about somebody like Daniel Bryan or any number of guys that the fans loved but WWF didn't get behind, per se. But I have not necessarily seen anyone, if I really think objectively about it, that could outdo him. Like, 
I don't know that there's anybody they've had in the last 10 years who could have outdone Cena if given the opportunity. Um, or even equaled him because, like you said, his ability to go outside of the company and put such a good face on it and present it to people who don't know anything about it in a very positive way, there aren't many people who can do that. Right, Especially right, I agree. because people aren't willing to give it a chance. Like, I, I think I heard, um, I don't know where I read this, but Bill Maher apparently had a segment on his show Real Time on HBO that over the, I think it might have been last night or last week. I don't remember what it was about, but he compared something to, basically the comment he made was like, whatever he was saying is like, saying, like wrestling, you're too stupid to watch wrestling. Basically saying you have to be stupid to watch wrestling. And it's like, even somebody who is in the entertainment field, who obviously, I'm sure he has said a lot of outlandish things in his career to get some attention, looks at wrestling as, it's like a stupid thing to watch. You'd think that perception wouldn't be quite so prevalent now, but like you said, somebody like Cena is able to get that across to people who might not otherwise believe it. Sure. Um, now, so you had two heels on your... Mount Rushmore. Could argue, could almost argue three. Well, three, yeah. He was mostly a heel. Um, Did you, now, did you buy into the kind of anti-American heels more so than your garden variety bad guys? Was there something (laughs) about that that you bought into, or was it just those guys in particular? Uh, Just mostly those guys. Not, didn't really buy into the anti-American stuff too much, but I'll tell you, the Iron Sheik, I really have a lot of respect for his work just because of the, the uh, persona he had to take on at the height of the Cold War, mm-hmm. you know, especially when the way the hostages in Iran and he was an Iranian coming over here and wrestling all the American heroes, yeah, and all the all of the crazy stuff that I heard he went through outside the ring. I mean, that's just as much respect for that. <laughs> Another guy that I think is one of the greatest heels of all time that doesn't get a lot of recognition, Larry Zabisco. Wow, the greatest greatest <laughs> heels ever. He wrestled Tommy Rich at a house show here. One of my first shows I ever went to is Zabisco did the stalling outside the ring like like Kevin Owens did at the Fastlane <laughs> yeah. pay-per-view. The stalling, did the uh, constantly complaining the referee with the hair pulling and all that, like the old, the old school heels used to do, you know. But uh, when I saw him go in the Hall of Fame there a couple of years ago, that was that was great. A lot of respect for Larry Zabisco. And, and I read his book, too, Adventures in Larry mm-hmm. Land, and he talked about a lot of the times where he had to get a police escort to the arena or, or duck down in the car and he shot at and, and had his car tipped over and all kinds of things. I mean, uh, you know, but like I said, those are the glory days when yeah. we believed, you know, believed all that was true and stuff. You know? So yeah, you look a at lot the of Iron respect Sheik. Yeah, the Iron Sheik, it's almost, now obviously Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan. He had a star quality. He act, obviously captivated the hearts and minds of people, but who knows if he would have gotten quite as hot as he did without like the groundwork that the Iron Sheik laid for him. Like, sure. Because I think the heat is more important than the adulation. Um, right, right. Like you, said, you, can't have a, you can't have a big hero without the villain, you know? So. Right. And if somebody's willing yeah. to tip over your car, yeah. <laughs> like clearly sure you've it was gotten, a lot worse than that, too, yeah. Yeah, it's like people will tune yeah. in. Like I feel like more people will tune into something to hate it than they will just because they really like it. Um, like that's why Howard Stern's ratings have been, were so high for all those years because people obviously tuned in because they found him entertaining. But I feel like even more people tuned in because they couldn't help they couldn't help themselves from getting angry at the things he would say and do. 
Right, and that's right. kind of what a guy like the Iron Sheik was. He would get you so riled up and appeal to that hatred that you couldn't turn sure. away from it. <laughs> sure. It's like the yeah, car wreck you can't help but look at. A lot of respect, lot of respect for the heel's work, you know, and what it takes to be a, a, a villain, a wrestling mm-hmm. villain, you know. And uh, Randy Savage is one of my big favorites, too. And when he was uh, Intercontinental Champion, mm-hmm. he was a heel. And uh, I was always a big fan of his work, too, you know. And uh, we'll talk about WrestleMania three too, <laughs> which I was at. Yes, you, you know, were. was in Pontiac right down the road here. <laughs> and uh, he wrestled Ricky Steamboat, the Intercontinental title, at WrestleMania three. And, and Savage had already had the title over a year leading up to that. Mm-hmm. And I hated Ricky Steamboat. Didn't want him to win the title, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to see it happen. But uh, which I still haven't forgiven him to this day. <laughs> but uh, just kidding. But um, you know, they had, of course, they had a fantastic match, one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah. You know. And I had a feeling they were going to flip the title because just because Savage had had it for such a long time, you know, and then eventually the next year he did one win the big one, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I've said I'm I'm glad you brought that match up because that was the match that. So this was '87, correct? March of '87, hard to believe it. Thirty years ago already, yeah. boy, oh boy. So I was seven, about to turn eight in May. So very young wrestling fan. Basically, all I knew about wrestling at that time was Hulk Hogan. That was it. That was all I knew. And I remember the storyline with Macho Man dropping the bell on Ricky's throat. And, you know, he shattered his larynx or whatever it was. And he'd come out and he couldn't talk. And I remember being terrified for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That that was the first time that wrestling got its claws in me where I was like, I have to know what happens here. Um, sure. And I credit that for what ultimately made me fall in love with wrestling was like that captivated me so much that that obviously is carried through now for 30 years. Uh, that match was great. The storyline was great. And Macho Man is on my Mount Rushmore. He's one of my top four of all time. I think he's unbelievable. The greatest intercontinental champion of all time. He was a guy who actually made the intercontinental championship feel like it was as important as the world championship. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of us who are on the show regularly, uh, one of the co-hosts, Eric, famously hates The Miz. Okay. Some, of, some of us argue that The Miz did bring the Intercontinental Championship back to a, more of a level of relevancy. Obviously not where Macho Man brought it, but you, you've see, you saw the Intercontinental title when guys like Macho Man had it. Or, sure. You know... Rick Rude had it, or Mr. Perfect had it. Right. Um, so I remember when M- the Magnificent Morocco had yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> do you do you feel like a guy like The Miz brings more prestige to that title than a lot of other guys have, or did you have you seen it in its glory years to the point where almost nothing is going to put the luster back on it at this point? No, I like The Miz also, and I, I'll tell you. He does bring the glory back to it and does elevate the title under one disclaimer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they toss it around so much, it's it's with somebody different every month mm-hmm. or every other month, then it loses its credibility. Yeah. And it's one of my pet peeves about wrestling is when they're tossing belts around like hot potatoes. Mm-hmm. Do not like that. It just loses credibility. And it's because when they went, then when it does change hands and it makes it feel like a big deal, you know? Yeah. And like when Zack Ryder won it the one year, was it last year at WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. That was a huge moment. Yeah. Well, he loses it the next day, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, the next And night. then Miz has it for, he has it for like five or six months, and then Ziggler, mm-hmm. and then Miz, and then Ambrose, and then Miz again. And, you know, it was just too much. But, uh, yes, I will agree that he has elevated the title, 
to a point, but when they toss it back and forth too much, then it you know loses its credibility. Yeah, it sinks right back down. But yeah, his whatever it was, like 189 day, never ending right. intercontinental yeah, yeah. championship reign helps out. I feel the you same know, way. Yeah, you know when they start start talking about the number of days, you know yeah. it's going to change hands. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, especially when there's a set day, you know they're going to get to. Right, like right, we, right, we knew right. the new day was going to break new day, the yeah, yeah. record, and we all assumed as soon as they right. break it, they're going to lose it at the first opportunity, which they right. did. <laughs> yeah, um, which I don't think that's a good idea either. Just to just to change the title just because it's time or it feels right, you know, it's I, I don't agree with that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a gentleman on uh, by the name of Gary Diutolo about a month or two ago, who he mentioned that. He's the one that I said that was a couple years older than me who was on the show. Um, he he hates the idea that the Intercontinental Championship is referred to as a quote-unquote mid-card title because it was not yeah. viewed that way, you know, when a guy like Randy Savage had it. It yeah. was a main title. It wasn't the world title, but it was a huge deal. Do you think that that kind of holds it back a little bit, that people view it as it's just secondary, it's not as important? Yeah, well, when they put labels on it, sure, if they call it a mid-card title or undercard or whatever, you know. I'm not sure if that's a Kevin Dunn, quote, or a Kevin Dunn term or mm-hmm. what, but uh, yeah, when they class start classifying it, then, yeah, that does uh, degrade it somewhat. But yeah. um, you mentioned earlier about the, when Cena was doing the U.S. United States Championship Challenge every week on Raw, yeah, that elevated the title prize as high as it's been the last 10 years, you mm-hmm. know. And like you said, the, the guys were coming out, Neville and, and Ambrose and, and Zane and them, coming out they have a great match with cena that that helps everybody Mm -hmm. you know it does um and anyone who's who i I don't know how anyone has a leg to stand on by having a problem with cena anymore when his wrestlemania match is himself and his girlfriend against the miz and maurice clearly that guy he's he's not the main event uh he's not burying anyone there (laughs) he himself has been buried in that match so i don't know where anyone can get off saying that John Cena is somehow ruining the company or calling the shots because I'm sure up to him that's not what he's doing. Right. How many <laughs> how many bad matches has he had in the last five years, even pay-per-view matches? Very few, you know? Yeah, zero. I, I think that's just a bad rap that he's gotten because people don't want to, to give him credit or people are blinded by the fact that, well, I don't, I don't know if it's a sense of entitlement among fans, but it's like, I like this guy, and if this guy that I like isn't the champion then everything else sucks. He's getting screwed right. because I like him. It's like, well, there are cases where I think Vince has blinders on and he, he doesn't see certain things or he's unwilling to open his eyes to certain things, but I just don't know where the argument is against Cena at this point. I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> see where, because where, where would this company be without him? When he was gone after that yeah. long U.S. title reign, sure. I was like, I miss him. Like, I miss him. The show's not the same without him. Right. And I think finally some people are realizing that. And one of the things, I was at SummerSlam in Brooklyn this past August, and people were just, spent that whole match with AJ Styles just hating John Cena. That that was a great moment when AJ got the win over him. It felt like a big deal. It was meaningful. But then when Cena sat in the ring, he took his armband off and slowly walked out of the ring. I gave him a standing ovation, and I, it was like a one-man standing ovation because everybody else was cheering that he was leaving. And I okay. was like, well, no, like, th- this guy has earned our respect. I don't know why we yeah. can't respect him. Do you feel like the workers are respected as, as much as they should be by the fan base? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's really not very many bad workers right now in WWE, at least I don't think. You know, I think most people go out there and give it their all. And, um, you know, they have the talent is there, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you know. I just wonder, some of these people that uh, you know are, are still booing Cena, if he turned heel, if they would cheer him. You know? <laughs> oh, that's all they would do is cheer. <laughs> Same thing with Roman Reigns. Right. He would get cheered if right. he turned heel. Absolutely. That yeah. would be the loudest yeah. pop that we've had in a year, probably, if Roman turned heel. Right. Like, I, I think people are right, waiting right, for right. it. But that, that's another thing where I think we go wrong sometimes. And I'm trying to avoid this myself. We obviously are looking ahead at where we think a story's going. Like, oh, I see what they're doing here. They're going to do this, this, and this to get to here. And then we're mad when they don't do what we thought. It's like, well, their job isn't to do what we want them to do or we think they're going to do. Their job is to tell their story, and we're supposed to go for the ride. It, it, it's... A story's not bad just because it's not what you wanted or what you predicted. Yeah, you know, a lot yeah. of people get mad. W- were you at the right. Were you at the Royal Rumble in '15 when Roman Reigns they manured all over him? Were you I at was. Rumble? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. Crazy. It was. Yeah. It was unfortunate that it happened that way. Um, I wasn't happy because I wanted Daniel Bryan to win again. Although I, that's the other thing though. Like we we knew it's not like, it's not like it was a surprise. And maybe that's why people were booing because they were like, we know we're, we, they went there planning to boo him winning. Um, and I think them bringing The Rock out only made matters worse. Because it was like, you're well, just trying to patronize us. damage control. Yeah, yeah. Like you're just trying to patronize us now. You think well, we're just right. idiots. We're just going to cheer because The Rock came out. Right. It's right, like, right. no, we're mad and that's what's going to happen. But that, that event, I think people look at that in a very negative light. But that was arguably the match of the year, the triple threat, Cena, Lesnar, and yeah. Rollins. Rollins, yeah. Argu- arguably the best match I've ever seen right. live. It was incredible. Oh. Um, yeah, that it was, it was a fun event. That was the first – that was actually the first pay-per-view I was ever at. Okay. Um, so I had a blast. Uh, and obviously the ending left something to be desired. Right. But the right. funny thing well, about that is he won the title 11 months later in the same building and everybody cheered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They're coming back again next year, aren't they, for the Rumble? The Rumble, yes. Yeah. So the Raw, the the go home Raw for WrestleMania is going to be here, and then the Rumble is going to be here as well. So I guess we'll get Takeover Philadelphia for the first time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. the Rumble, and then we'll get Raw and SmackDown. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I I've seen I've I've been to one Takeover. I was at Takeover Brooklyn, the first one. Um, didn't go last year, but I, it'll be exciting to see it in my actual city and not have to drive up to Brooklyn right. to see it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. have you ever had an NXT event come through your town? Uh, yes, but you said not... you're in Saginaw, Michigan. Right. Yeah. Not a, uh, not like a TV taping or a pay-per-view, but they did a, like a house show here. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it was a while back. Uh, I want to say probably a year ago, maybe more than a year ago. Um, but yeah, not for not for a long time. Did you attend it, or you, it just came through? I did not. Uh, I don't remember why, but I did not <laughs> uh, not attend. You yeah. just know you weren't there. <laughs> I think a lot of the it was after a lot of them were they pretty much emptied the cabinet. You know, mm-hmm. it was not long after that is that when they came through here. They were in just northern Ohio about two weeks ago. I didn't make the commute either. I was just, um, I went to SmackDown right before Christmas Mm -hmm. and I was at a raw last summer and just kind of, kind of pick your spots, I guess. So (laughs) save your nickels, you know? Exactly. So 
Speaking of NXT, that leads me to, we've talked about the past, now we have the present and the future. Who, who are your current favorites right now? It doesn't have to be just WWE, this could be Ring of Honor, New Japan. Who, who is it that you really appreciate in the current day? You know, I don't. I used to watch ROH religiously. It mm-hmm. comes on here locally, eleven o'clock on Sunday nights, and uh, it was just to the point where I just didn't have a lot of time. I was doing the three hours on Monday, the two hours on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. NXT, not religious with that either, but when I can, and um, you know, I was recording the, the ROH because you know it's a work night, obviously. Yeah. So <laughs> don't watch, and I haven't really watched a whole lot of Japan. I used to follow TNA a lot. But they've really, obviously, as you know, they've gone downhill in the last few years. But yeah. I used to watch that religiously as well. So it was kind of the point where, you know, I don't want wrestling, you know, 100% consuming my, <laughs> my free time, you know. Yeah. Um, Kevin Owens is one of my favorites. Back to his Kevin Steen days in, in ROH. Um, I like all three Shield guys. Um, I liked it better, better when they were together. Uh, Cena, of course, is probably my, my all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Sasha Banks is probably my favorite female performer, although <laughs> I listened to Kurt Zamora's podcast uh-huh. where he said she was really not nice to him. And I don't know if you heard that or not, but uh, I, didn't. I guess uh, she came through uh, his town a few weeks back or a month ago, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. And she was not kind to him or someone else that was there. So, but I think she's a great worker. Do you know where um, he went? Was it just he just happened upon her? Was this at an actual event or you're not sure um no he talked about uh i guess he, well, he lives i guess by dallas mm-hmm. and i guess they were coming through like he met him like the airport or something yeah. or outside the arena or whatever it was and uh he, he she just told him that uh you know, why don't you get a real job and i'm not signing this you're gonna you're gonna sell this on ebay you know tomorrow and uh, I guess she just wasn't kind to him, hmm. you know, but I, I respect her work. I think she's a great performer, you know, um, I'll, you know, um, I, you know, I don't even think there was any bad workers on the roster right now, but I, I would say those are probably, and I do like the Miz too, although your one yeah. friend doesn't like, I do like the Miz. <laughs> well, that's so, become, he's elevated where... his game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's elevated his game in the last year or so. So yeah, the, his, so I, that was another guy. I looked at him. He's out. He's just the guy on the real world. And then I got to a point where I was like, well, wait a minute. Every heel on the roster pretty much gets cheered like we like them all. And it's like, well, wait a minute. The Miz is actually one of the handful of guys who that crowd hates his guts and want to see him <laughs> lose. Every, they want to see him get his comeuppance every time he's out there. And then sure. him bringing Maurice in with him just to add that extra layer of, like, he can hide behind her. You know, when he gets yeah. in trouble, he can just push her in front of him. Or yeah. she interferes in his match. It. To me, it adds even another layer to make you hate him and disrespect him even more. And then on Talking Smack, every time he's on there, he's great. Terrific, yeah. Entertainment part of World Wrestling Entertainment, he has that part down to a T. Because he is very entertaining and he does generate legitimate hatred towards himself. Yeah, yeah. Great, great at generating (laughs) heat. You're right. I think he should, you know, probably one, two more SmackDowns before WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. He's got to get something else to get in some more heat because it seemed like he, you know, kind of got the short end of the deal last week. So yeah. something to generate some more heat, beat up Cena and something in the parking lot or something to get him some more heat before Mania. <laughs> that way it'll make the crowd even more want to see Cena get his revenge on him at, at WrestleMania, you know. Although I think Maurice is going to take the pin, though. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure she yeah. will. Um, 
Although, and that will that will annoy people even more because they want to see they want to see Miz <laughs> League. Then he has an excuse that he's not the one who really lost. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> he can come out on Monday night after WrestleMania and say, "Well, I didn't really. He didn't beat me." Right, um, right. So, the the last thing that I'll ask of the four questions I ask everyone, and then we'll get into some more general conversation. And you can answer this one obviously, however you want as well. Some people say they can't even answer it. Some people give me multiple answers. Your favorite match of all time, which I know is a difficult one. So, like I said, however you feel fit to answer it, you know, feel free. I've been at two WrestleManias. WrestleMania mm-hmm. three, which was in Pontiac, and mm-hmm. WrestleMania 25, which was in Houston. And my favorite match, the greatest match I ever saw in person, was the first Undertaker, uh, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania match. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, just <laughs> a work of art. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, I mean doesn't get any better than that i mean to the and you figure they're both in their they're 43 44 at the mm-hmm. time so it wasn't like we we're watching two 25 yeah. year olds you know <laughs> but uh fantastic one of the greatest and john canton you know is doing his top countdown at all-time wrestlemania matches yeah. so hoping that one's gonna be number one so. <laughs> it'll be up there i know that for sure <laughs> it'll def- at, at worst it'll be in the top five yeah well he's a big hbk fan mm-hmm. so it probably will we'll be somewhere near the top yeah that would be my answer um yeah, for me, that's always been tough. I actually, I think I've come around recently that my favorite is the first Hell in a Cell match, HBK and The Undertaker, because we had never seen that type of match before. It, there obviously was a lot of story that had gone into that with, you know, Sean costing Undertaker the match against Bret Hart. He cost him the title. There was number one contendership on the line. It was the match that I believe got him the title shot in Montreal that led to the Montreal screw job. And I just love that that match had it, had it had a legitimate beginning, middle, and end to that story. Like the him, him being stuck in this cage with The Undertaker, no way in and no way out. Him f- sneaking his way out when they opened the door to let the injured cameraman out, thinking he's running to safety, only for yeah. it to get a million times worse. Yeah, right. And then ultimately it ends with the debut of Kane, which yeah. cost Undertaker yeah. the match once again. Um, yeah, that was the infamous Vinnie Matt call. That's yeah, gotta that's gotta be Kane. <laughs> I don't know if you're into hockey at all. Um, Big hockey fan. Okay. Do you pay attention to Olympic hockey when the Olympics roll around? Yes. So there was a shootout. I believe it was the U.S. and Russia in a shootout. The last Olympics, I guess this was 2014. 14. Yes. And T.J. Oshie went like a hundred times in a row. But right. I remember the whole time, we, I was at work, we had it on satellite radio, the whole time I was just waiting for Patrick Kane to come out, hoping he would get the game winner in the shootout so I could yell out, that's got to be Kane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and my coworkers were waiting for it, too, because I say it all the time. I would guess at least right. once a week I say that's got to be Kane for no apparent reason. <laughs> and uh, the whole time, I'm like, Patrick Kane, I'm like, oh, Patrick Kane has to score this goal. It has to be Patrick Kane. He obviously right. didn't get the opportunity. I still, it's like, it's one of those things where I feel like it's such a missed opportunity where it would have actually fit. I could have said it for sure. a real reason for the first time yeah. in my life. Right. Spelled <laughs> the same way, too. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Like, I was so <laughs> excited. I, I could actually say this for a legitimate reason, and it, it didn't yeah. happen. And unfortunately, yeah. I'm not a Blackhawks fan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, yeah. Speaking of Kane, you know, I've been to a lot of live shows over the years, you know, and I never saw a cage match until two summers ago. I saw Kane wrestle John Cena in a cage match. First time I ever saw one. They were supposed to have one in Detroit maybe four or five years ago, mm-hmm. 
with uh, Dolph Ziggler against Cena in the main event. They couldn't get the cage to go up Are properly. Yeah, so they took it. They had to take it apart, and then they had to scramble and make like a no DQ match or something or whatnot. But yeah, it was interesting. That's got to be disappointing to be promised a yeah. cage match and it doesn't happen. Right, right. Because you figure, you know, you're a fan your whole life. You've never seen a cage match. They're putting it up, and then Vicky Guerrero was like the host that night. Mm-hmm. She came out and said, "Sorry, we can't get the cage together, <laughs> but we're gonna have a no disc or whatever it was kind of match." And, and so, yeah. But yeah, you yeah. did eventually get to see one. Right. Yeah. It was Cena against. In fact, Cena was U.S. champion then, and it was. Uh, it was just at a house show here, but um, yeah, I finally got to see you, and it was cool. Did it live up to expectations? No, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of didn't. Kind of mailed it in, if you will. You know. So. Now but. speaking of the cage, I feel like the cage match is like, I think the Hell in a Cell and things like the Elimination Chamber have relegated the steel cage almost to like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Um, do you have like a match or anything that comes to mind when you think of the steel cage match? Because I have one in particular that, well, two I, I, that stand out to me. I do, actually. Um, a lot of people don't remember this, but USA, in the early 80s, infancy of cable, mm-hmm. used to show a complete Madison Square Garden house show on television, USA, hmm. from 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock on a Monday night. Wow. This is this is before Raw, so before primetime wrestling. This is a three-hour Raw before Raw. Three-hour Raw. <laughs> but it was a house show. It was Madison yeah. Square Garden house show. <laughs> and um, it was recorded. It wasn't live, of course. Mm-hmm. It was recorded, you know, X amount of weeks or whatever in yeah. advance. And um, the cage match that always, will always stand out to me, and the hardcore legend will agree with this, <laughs> was the famous Snuka Morocco cage match in Madison Square Garden where it was for the Intercontinental title and Morocco was the champion <laughs> and you know they were you know getting Morocco got beat up the whole match mm-hmm. and somehow you know Snooker was going to throw him throw him or whatever he was doing yeah. and Morocco allegedly called for the cage door to open and he went out of the cage to win the match <laughs> and then Snooker grabbed him pulled him back in the ring slammed him and then did the infamous leap off the top yeah. of the cage that Mick Foley was ringside for. That was probably my favorite cage match ever. And that was, yeah, I mean, in the early 80s, 83 maybe. So, so you um, actually watched that as it aired on TV for the first time. For the first time, right. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's a good one. That one would live. stand out. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't live, of course. But they used mm-hmm. to do that maybe two or three times a year. They would show the whole Madison Square Garden show. Mm-hmm. And... um and it, that was Hogan's era, of course. But what's weird about that, he would never be in the last match. <laughs> He'd be on maybe like third or fourth from the end. And then like Andre or somebody would be on like the last match. They would have like curfew time remaining. Mm-hmm. So it was it was interesting. That is interesting. I, I would have thought for sure they would have saved him for last no matter what. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember that. But uh, <laughs> you used to do that every once in a while, which I wish they still would do the Madison Square Garden shows and what not um, yeah, what have we USA. gotten like, like one or two of those since they introduced the network but yeah like you said not right. on usa it's still on the wwe yeah on network. the wwe network right, right. um so one thing i, I want to get into before you mentioned this to me just last week or two weeks ago you were one of the ninety three thousand one hundred seventy three faithful in attendance at the pontiac silverdome at wrestlemania three um of course that 
shot from above where you see all the all the people etched into my memory as well as millions of other people's memories who've been watching since the the mid to late 80s um what what was that like did that because you were obviously a kid it's not like you were an adult going to this thing right how surreal was this did this even feel like a real thing when you walked in there what was the experience like for you yeah it was crazy because um you know it was just it was it was the height of the hogan era height of the rock and wrestling wrestle you know the boom era of, of wrestling and um yeah it was surreal because it was only the third wrestlemania mm-hmm. the first one was madison square garden the second one they did the three locations mm-hmm. and then um yeah and, and i do believe it was legitimate ninety three thousand because the silverdome sat eighty thousand for football yeah and it, all the seats were filled and there was nothing tarped off. There was nothing, you know, behind the scene. There was no stage. Mm-hmm. And then there was, of course, you know, X amount of thousand seats on the floor there. So I think it was pretty legitimate. It's interesting because they just had the uh, the number from last year's WrestleMania. It was actually not 101,000, yeah. you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was surreal, like you say. But you didn't understand, though, the magnitude that 30 years later, Hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But 30 years later, people will still be talking about that. And Andre and Hogan, which did go on last, yeah. were the, you know, two, two of the biggest stars in the history of the business. Mm-hmm. You didn't realize the magnitude of how big it would eventually get. They'd be going to these huge stadiums, you know, 29, 29 30 years later, mm-hmm. and uh, how big it would become as far as globally. You know, people did come from around the country, but you didn't see, like, the overseas like you do now, you know, with all these, would they say 50 some countries were there last year? Yeah. You didn't see that, but, but yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome, you know, <laughs> to be there. And, uh, but like I say, you just understand the magnitude of how big it would be looked upon, you know, 30 years later. Um, and, you know, you thought Hogan, you know, you thought he would win, but mm-hmm. you didn't know for sure. And, and like you said, it was probably 13 or 14 at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you appreciate the Steamboat uh, Savage match, which was phenomenal, still talked about to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, George Steele was there. He was the <laughs> did the whole Elizabeth thing. And yeah. another native of Detroit that we just lost recently, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, yeah, it, it was great. And this was back in the days of the VHS tape. So you got uh, <laughs> the Coliseum wait video. For it to, yeah, you waited for it to come to your video store so uh-huh. you can watch it again, you know. <laughs> Because that was uh, that wasn't even a pay per view day. Those were closed circuit TV yeah. days. We did the closed circuit where they would show it at the arenas on the big screen, you know. But um, yeah, it was great. You know, guys like Bobby Heenan were there, Roddy Piper, Adrian Adonis, King Kong Bundy. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that are just icons. You know, years years later, you know. But yeah, it was great, and um, you know, to for them to come this close to home. You know, in the infancy of, of a WrestleMania, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so, what what was it? Spe- was there a specific match or story that you went there like that was the match you were there to see? I know for me, it was Savage and Steamboat was what I was worked up about. I also loved the Bulldogs. They had the match against um, with Tito Santana against um, the Hart Foundation and Dangerous Danny Davis. Right, and right. I, I, for some reason, I don't. I, to this day, I don't know why. I really wanted Billy Jack Haynes to beat Hercules. And I remember okay. that, that match ended in a, in a double countout. Right, I, don't, right. I don't remember why I was so invested in that, but I, I remember Billy Jack Haynes in the uh, the green and yellow Oregon trunks wanting sure, him sure. to beat Hercules so bad. 
what like was there anything specifically that had you so invested in WrestleMania three, or it was just like, no, it was oh just my God, the, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it was just a spectacle of of the event. You know, like they say today, WrestleMania sells itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there really wasn't a a match or whatever that I wanted to see more than the other. Of course, you know the two big ones, but um, just that it was this close to home and it was WrestleMania. Um, you know, you anticipate you, of course, you get with your buddies and you try to predict how they're going to, how they're going to come out and what order they're going to be. And there was 12 matches that yeah. day. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize it too. That was, that started at four in the afternoon. That was oh not like God, a nighttime really? show. Really? It was not a nighttime show where they start at seven o'clock or like you now, although with the pre-show it's earlier, but yeah. started at four in the afternoon. It was done about, uh, maybe quarter after seven thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And by the time he got out of there, and, and it was, what, a 90-minute commute home. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, probably maybe 10 o'clock before he got home after the traffic and all that. But a lot of people don't realize that was the majority of that card, or all of the card, occurred when it was still daylight, you know, still still daytime. Yeah, that's crazy but, uh, that, was that early. But, yeah, it was just a spectacle and just to have it this close. And like I said, it was the height of the business was booming. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy about that is I remember on the car ride home, there was, like, radio stations, like, radio stations were like talking about it they were saying who won and they were talking you know and you know that was you know vinnie mac was a genius to get the in the vibe and people were everybody was just common uh you know common conversation you know yeah um is there any show you've been to that lives up to that one is that or is that kind of like the high because i I feel like you, you just talked about the spectacle. I don't feel like the spectacle is still there. WrestleMania still sells itself, but I, I don't feel like WrestleMania is this larger-than-life event that it was back then. I don't know. I'm curious if you agree with that or not. Um, I, I disagree that it's still special. I think it has that special feeling to it, and that's just how they present it. Mm-hmm. You know, where they have the this year's thing is the ultimate thrill ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> well, the, the home um, of theme parks. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I think it's still a spectacle, but it goes in how it's presented too. You look at last year; you had you know, Rock was there, Austin mm-hmm. was there, Foley was there, HBK was there. Made it feel special, I mm-hmm. guess. Do I wish they were all there and just get out of the way? You know, yeah. probably not. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's still. I, I disagree to a point. Now, do I do I think like this year's uh, card? Do I think it's anything special to get excited about? Not really. You know, when you've got a guy, two guys in the main event, probably, that are part-timers. One hasn't wrestled in 12 or 13 years, mm-hmm. and they wrestled once at WrestleMania 20 with a crowd completely manured all over the match. Yeah. They had Austin <laughs> out there for damage control, and when he popped the match out, and when he stunned them both, yeah. you know? And unfortunately, so, uh, he won't be there to do that this time. Right, right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, WrestleMania 25 was pretty awesome when I was there. Um, I mean, there's, you know, people, uh, discount house shows and that I know mm-hmm. on one of the podcasts, one of your, one of you guys, you were, um, or maybe it was Kurt, Kurt's podcast. He was talking to, so he doesn't go to house shows. So he thinks they're nothing special and, and stupid, but mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, granted, you're probably not going to see a title change there or anything great, but you get to see these guys and gals up close, you know, when they come to your town and I, I you know, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I, so, I went to one two summers ago and thinking that "Eh, it's not a big deal, whatever. And I had a blast because it's not, it's not them putting on a show with the expectation of what's going out on USA network on Monday night. It's just them going out there, letting these guys just do what they do best. 
and it's a lot yeah. of fun to watch. I had a great time at the last house show I went to. So sure. I, I definitely think that they're still worthwhile. And if you get a chance to go to one, obviously it, you'll have a fun time. Absolutely. Yeah. To answer your question, I, you know, I probably not has lived up to those expectations, but you know, each show you go to is special. I was at the over the limit pay-per-view mm-hmm. in 2010 when it was in Detroit. And that was the show where, uh, CM Punk went against Rey Mysterio. <laughs> and if, uh, if CM Punk lost, he got his head shaved. Mm-hmm. If Mysterio uh, lost, he had to join the Straight Edge Society. <laughs> so that was, although CM Punk lost, it was still fun. Yeah. And the Straight Edge Society, in my opinion, is one of the gimmicks and ideas that still had a lot of legs left to it. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just let the air out of it, and that was a shame. But uh, Cena wrestled uh, um, Batista in a I Quit match. And that show, which was the main event, which that was the match was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so you, Edge, okay. Edge against Randy Orton was on that card. Um, Matt Hardy, I think against Drew McIntyre, I think was on that card. Um, but yeah, that was a really good show too. Yeah, so you mentioned the Straight Edge Society, kind of met its demise before it needed to. Like it, it, they could Absolutely. have done a lot more with it. And you mentioned also earlier on that you were a fan of all three members of the Shield. And you said you felt that you liked them better when they were all together. Do, do you feel that they they broke them up too soon? Um, do you think they still had a lot more left that they could have done as a faction? Yes, I do. I think there's a lot more legs in that left. Although I have enjoyed Ambrose and Rollins both singles runs. Mm-hmm. Reigns not not quite as much, but uh, I think Rollins is a great performer. Um, but I think that door is still open to happen down the road. I think that uh, there's a great WrestleMania match or a SummerSlam or whatever match is a shield against the the, the Bullet Club it would be a great, oh, yeah, a great awesome. match. <laughs> you know, uh, any combination of them would, would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that uh, we could count out that of, of occurring the shield reunion at, at some point, you know. So especially there's still guys are still young, 30, 31. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're not old. They're, their time definitely has not passed. Um do, do you think that – I don't even know really how to phrase this. Have they ruined Roman Reigns? Like, is he ever going to get accepted by the wrestling fans? Do you think the ship has already sailed? Like, how would you try to salvage it if you could think of any way? Because it seems <clears> like well, whatever I mean, they do, it gets worse. Yeah, I mean, the obvious no-brain answer is is turn him heel, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think Vinnie Mac has just got it in his brain that he's his guy and he's going to be the, the – uh, flag bearer and and be the face of the company and he's not going to turn them and that's just how it is and if we don't like it then don't drink the kool-aid anymore you know? <laughs> um yeah i think there's you could still salvage him um i think that uh one of my buddies at work mentioned this maybe after you know the mania stuff is done the rematches are done and they do another draft maybe send him to smackdown him team with the usos and have like a feud with uh Maybe AJ and you know Gales Anderson maybe faces mm-hmm. by then. Maybe do that program maybe for SummerSlam or something, and then maybe after a while they maybe turn, try to turn them back or whatever. If the crowd starts cheering them, then maybe that's an idea. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's tough because there's such a. I think like I mentioned, a lot of people with Cena like they just don't want to like him at this point. I think Roman has gotten there where people just are unwilling to accept him, and it will take him doing something exceptional to get people on his side. I just don't know what that exceptional thing is. 
I think anytime you do something that's not organic, it's it's hard for the people to buy into, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, can I tell you my WrestleMania dream matches, too? Absolutely. <laughs> my WrestleMania dream match will probably never happen. <laughs> CM Punk against Brian Danielson is awesome. my WrestleMania dream match. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, and I, I've said this for as long as he's been not able to to uh, wrestle, I do think Brian Danielson will wrestle again. Maybe not for WWE, but I do think we'll see him in the ring again, either ROH or Japan. I mean, it'll, once his contract, I know he said that on Talking Smack mm-hmm. there a couple weeks ago, that he wait till my contract is up in 2018. I think there's some truth to that, you know? Maybe not the minute his contract is up, but, you know, Jesus, some of these companies, they would scoop him up in a second, you know? Now, he's only, what, 34, 35? And Something he's like still, that. I, I think he still has a lot of uh, wrestling left in him. I still think he'll wrestle again. As far as CM Punk goes, that might be a little bit more of a, of a reach. But never say never. I never thought we'd see the Ultimate Warrior on WWE <laughs> television again either. You know, That's true. So make the same argument with Goldberg, Bruno San Martino, all of them. Never thought I'd see them on WWE television. Here they are. They, all three of them been back. Yeah, with CM Punk... Because you're right, there is that saying of, like, everybody comes back, and everybody does. There is nobody that never came back. There's just something about him, I don't know, and it may even just be the character that he played for a lot of his time in WWE. It's like, I just feel like he has put them in his rearview mirror, he has moved on with his life, and he spends his life basically just giving them the finger. Like, he walks through life giving them the finger all the time. But you're right, like... If, if the money is there, if the opportunity is right, it's hard to imagine him passing it up. Like, even if it's just the Hall of Fame. What if in right. eight years they decide, you know what, we got to put this guy in the Hall of Fame? Is he going to turn that down? I, I don't know how you can. Yeah, he'll be back at some point doing something. You know, um, yeah, you're right, though. Money has to be right. Maybe the right angle or the mm-hmm. right storyline or something to bring him back. Not going to be anytime soon, but... Um, yeah, it was it was a shame when he walked out. As a as a wrestling fan, that was one of my saddest days. I would say when he walked out, so because he was such a great performer and just not only in a, just anything he was doing in the ring, but his mic skills. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, they were, he was terrific. One of the things I respect about him so much is he was one of the only guys, especially during that time, that some of the things he was doing and saying, you honestly weren't sure if. Like it was, it was, or if he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do, or saying something he wasn't supposed to be saying. Like, right, right. Did, did they approve him saying that? Did he go out there supposed to say something else, and he's going off on his own? Like he brought a sense of realism to it that you don't see that often. Um, right. Was was that part of what attracted you to him? Was like that whole like kind of renegade style. He almost he he really did bring that to the forefront during that time when nobody else was really doing it. Absolutely, anti-establishment. Like I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm not a fan of Vinnie Mac, and I'm even less yeah. fan of, of Triple H. <laughs> really? Like, oh my God, Triple H, terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just kind of like rebelling against them, rebelling against you know the anti-establishment, and and he backed it up. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he said, he, he backed it up in the ring or on the microphone or whatever. You know, and uh, yeah, it was that that sense of realism to it. Absolutely, you know, and he was entertaining. He was an entertaining guy. He had great matches. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, was entertaining when he was on the microphone. Whatever he had to say was was always captivating. He had Paul Heyman with him for a while there, who uh, excellent on the stick as well. 
um, yeah, he was one of the greatest performers they've had for the last 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I have a two-part question now because we're talking about CM Punk. You mentioned Triple H. Um, do you think, so the first part of the question is, seeing the type of talent that has come in since he's left, like you look at like a lot of these guys from NXT that have come up or a lot of these kind of independent guys that they've signed, like an AJ Styles, a Finn Balor, um, the kind of smaller, better worker type guys. You know, a guy like Kevin Owens, who's not smaller, Sami Zayn. Do you think there's any part of CM Punk that's like, oh, I just missed out on getting to be part of this? And then the second part of the question is, do you think maybe some part of Triple H was like, I regret letting this guy go, so let me try to bring in more guys like this guy into the company? I don't think he regrets it, that he left. I think that he is like, hey, look what I did. Yeah. I paved the way for these guys to come in. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you know, if you look at it, you know, like those guys that I mentioned earlier, that came from R- ROH, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that, I mean, yeah, he, he uh, set the tone and said, hey, listen, you know, every guy is not going to have to be 6'2 or 6'3, 230 pounds. Like they just got off the college campus or a football field or yeah. something. These guys are, you know, CM Punk looks like a fry cook. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and look, you know, Kevin Owens is certainly not your uh, prototypical wrestling, you know, wrestling body either. But, um, yeah, I think he paved the way for sure. But I, I don't think he re- regrets it. As far as Triple H goes, um, I don't know. I don't think he really has that mentality. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, and this is just me. Mm-hmm. For some reason, you know, Triple H has been in the business 20-some years and whatnot. But there's a part of me that is like, does this guy really get it? <laughs> does he really get it? Because from 2000, about 2000 to 2005, he buried just about everybody. I mean, <laughs> the old, the old, the old famous phrase was Triple H jobs for no one, <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't for a long time. And he did put some guys over for mm-hmm. a while, and then uh, completely buried the Spirit Squad. If you remember that or not, mm-hmm. he did the program in 2009 where uh, it was him and HBK kind of reunited the D Generation X. Yeah. Had that face run. Mm-hmm. Buried Rhodes and DiBiase when he had a chance to put him over. I don't think DiBiase really ever recovered from that. And uh, he beat Brock at Mania there, which a few years ago didn't have to. Sheamus didn't have to. Was that um, 29? 29 was Brock. Sheamus was 26, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just don't know if he gets it. And the other night on on Raw, if you saw the ending there where him and Mm -hmm. Rollins went at it, it was almost like... Triple H was the young guy they're trying to put over, <laughs> and Rollins was the, you know, the old veteran, you know, and I just don't know if he gets that. And you know, he had the belt there last year, won the mm-hmm. Rumble, which I guess storyline wise it kind of makes sense. But yeah. he's forty six, forty seven, whatever, however old he is. Do you really need the belt at this point? You know, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I just don't know if he gets it. And I know you you told me when you did the Performance Center tour, they let you mm-hmm. cut a promo. Yeah. Well, if I ever do that tour, my <laughs> promo's going to be caught on him, I'll tell you. Oh, uh, that's great. So mine was on the authority. Um, oh, okay, well. Not, not him specifically. Mine yeah, was on yeah. the authority and Seth Rollins because he was with the authority at that time. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, so one, one of our co-hosts, uh, Alo, Aaron Lloyd, um, Huge Triple H fan. 
And then a good friend of our show, um, Joe Lafferty, is very similar uh, mindset of yours. Of like, Triple H buries everybody. It's all about him. He's, he thinks he's Ric Flair. He's trying to make himself into Ric Flair. And he even, he points out a lot the idea that he was so arrogant that he thought, hey Vince, put Roman in a program with me at WrestleMania. I'll get him over. Like, thinking I can do that for him. And obviously that, that didn't work out. Obviously it wasn't the ideal circumstances for them, but I, I'm very anxious and curious to see where this Rollins-Triple-H thing goes because, one, this story is a long time coming. Like, it was supposed to happen last year. He got hurt. Then he get, Seth gets hurt again. Um, I'm very curious where it goes because I think Rollins is in a much better position to benefit from Triple-H than... Roman was last year. I don't know if anybody could have got nobody could have got Roman over last year. Right, right. Uh, I agree. There was with that. nothing that was going to happen that was going to help right. him, in fr- especially in front of that crowd in Dallas. And yeah, putting him up against the Undertaker is not going to do him any favors either. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, I don't know if you ever listened to those conference, those NXT conference calls they have before the big NXT shows. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do they them do. like three or four times a year, like Wednesday or Thursday, mm-hmm. they'll have the big conference call with like like Mike Johnson will be on there, Meltzer will be on there, and so forth. And he sounds like he gets it on those conference calls. He's you know, he he gets, you know, the new talent and he 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 he, he gets it. You know, it sounds like he does. But then he goes off does this other stuff and it's like, do you really get it? You know? But uh yeah, he's kind of been yeah, on my list for a while. Say, it sounds know, like so. he's been a thorn in your side for a while. Yeah, now. he just doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And part, part of that has to be that he, he legitimately has been around. for so, There's no time in the last 25 years that he hasn't been around. Right. I mean, right. obviously he was in WCW in the right. early Terra, to mid-90s. Terror Rising, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he's been in WWE since at least 95 or 96. Right, um, right. So that's, tw- I mean, 20, 21 years that he's been in that company and he's been in a prominent role for almost all of it. Yeah. Um, to answer your question earlier about the, uh, about CM Punk coming mm-hmm. back, I think there's a better chance of him coming back for any kind of program. If Vince is still making the calls, because if they've reins have been turned over to triple H because <laughs> I think CM Punk's big issue is with triple H. Not so much yeah. with Vinnie Mac. Um, yeah, so, so, so your word of advice to those who, Love CM Punk, but also are waiting for Vince to go away. Maybe try to hold out for a little while longer. <laughs> right, right, right. Because yeah. you may not get yeah. one without the other. Right. I can remember on Raw there, uh, I think it was was before he left, obviously, maybe 2013, when him and Triple H were going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think they were shooting. I think CM Punk, some of those things he was saying was legitimate, like, mm-hmm. He was shooting, and he called him by his real name and all yeah. that. He was—I really, <laughs> if you remember that or not. But he was—I think there was a lot of truth to that. Oh, I do. That was one of the things standing out in my mind when I said he would say things. You were like, "I'm not sure if he was supposed to be saying that." Yeah. Like he would really make you question whether this was right. part of the show or not. Yeah. Um, and what are you going to do? It's live television. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. There's—I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you could cut yeah. his mic, like happens to Paul Heyman every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. But right. yeah, now. So obviously we both would like to see CM Punk come back. Obviously he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. Whether he'd be willing to accept it or not, I don't know. Um, I do think that there's um, some healing that has to happen there. And I do think 
he's moved on with his life. Now, obviously, one, one of the things we've discussed over the last year was his leap into mixed martial arts. And I know you were, you, you were pretty skeptical about whether he was ever actually going to step into the octagon or not. Yeah, um, right. Just because the delay was so long. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, was like every time it seemed like it was getting somewhere, yeah. it was like there was another setback and another yeah. one. Yeah. And my feeling was just, I really believe this guy just wants to do it. I don't think he's gonna, going to be good at it, um, but I think he wants to do it. Do, do you feel like him stepping into that octagon and having a real fight, do you feel like that was a win for him? Or do you think that that did more harm to him than good to go out there and basically flop like that? No, I think it was a win for him for sure. I think it was a win in two senses. One, that he actually did it, that he said he was going to do mm-hmm. it and did it, even though he lost. Yeah. You know, he, he backed up what he was going to say. And two, it was a very win for him at the uh, in his bank account, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you can't underestimate that aspect of it. <laughs> right, right. I, th- I think he'll try it again. I think he'll fight at least once more. When? I, I don't know. They said January or February. Well, we're March now, yeah. <laughs> so obviously it didn't happen. So I think he'll fight at least once more, though. You think it'll but, be uh, I think him and and I think him and AJ Lee will both end up in the Hall of Fame someday. Both of them deserve it. Um, I know that they they did everything in their power to get AJ Lee out of the record books when she was in right. there. Right, um, right. My other thing is with that whole <clears throat> CM Punk thing, and I don't know if you saw this or not. Goldberg on Twitter after CM Punk's fight, he criticized Punk for taking a spot on the main card from somebody who. Right deserved it more than him and i remember on our matt madness twitter account i tweet i meant to tweet him from my personal account because i wanted him to know who was saying it uh and i had my picture on there at the time so i was like i want you to know who's calling you out right now but i accidentally did it from the matt madness account i said so does that mean i won't have to see you on a wrestlemania card and he said nope so i I responded like good i'm glad to hear that because i didn't want to see him on a wrestlemania card right well now He's going to be main eventing WrestleMania less than a year after he made that comment. Um, Wait a minute. Now, he's a part-timer, right? And yet he said he was, he was ranking on somebody else. Oh, okay, okay yeah. I get it now. Now, <laughs> now, mind you, CM Punk was working, you know, probably 10 hours a day training for that fight for two years. Sure. He made that his life to get in there. He obviously cared about it. He was passionate about it. And yet you're going to criticize him because other people have been doing it longer. Whereas, hey, Bill, you've been gone for 13 years. Right. You didn't really care about this when you were doing it. Um, you don't care about it now. What makes it okay for you to main event this card? When, what makes it okay for you to absolutely shove aside the guy who is the champion, who has been working there for the last two years? I don't, I don't see where that disconnect. He probably doesn't care. It's his, you know, he's making his money off it. He's getting his little, you know, an extra 15 minutes of fame out of it. But that really irritates me. One, because I don't, I don't like that whole aspect anyway of you just come in, you get put in these prominent positions, and the guys who you could be building up for the future, you're not doing it. Like, that might be part of the reason why there's just Cena and then everybody else falls below him because you're, you're holding them back because you're holding on to the past so much. Yeah. Um, I think Vinnie Max got it in his mind that people just, they're not going to out... You know, draw like Goldberg and Brock and, and, and Undertaker. I mean, Undertaker's paid his dues, but these other part-time guy, Triple H, you know, he just doesn't, he's had in his mind, these guys just aren't, are not going to outdraw the older guys. That's why he keeps bringing them back, you know, and 
well, whatever that I guess you know if you want to meet your uh, quarterly goals to your uh, your shareholders, <laughs> I guess that's fine. But long term, it does no favors at all for your main roster long term for creating any new stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad to say, but you know the Steve Austins and the Rock of this world. I mean, we'll probably never see something like that again. A guy that just like a fraction of a second, their music hits, the crowd, you know, <laughs> roof comes off the place, uh, yeah. crowd goes crazy, you know. Yeah, it's so, like they're. They want to, they're using these guys to, because they're not even winning these battles. They're like treading water in these weekly battles yeah. in a war that they're ultimately losing. Like yeah. they, they can Long talk, term, yeah. yeah, they can talk about how Goldberg two weeks ago ratings were up from like, I don't know, they got like, they averaged 3.12 million viewers over the three hours bef- the week before Goldberg came on. Then the week Goldberg was on, they got like 3.34 million viewers. It's like one, that's not that big of a jump. And two, if you go to the ratings from a year prior, you're down 300,000 viewers. So, yeah, you might have won from one week to the next by a marginal amount, but you go a year behind, you're, you're still losing. Like, you, long term, you're, you're losing the war. Right. Bill Goldberg. Could have said it better myself. Yeah, he's not, he's not transcending this thing. He's not, he's not bringing people in who are going to stay long term. Yeah, well they, well, they tune in and be like, oh, Goldberg's has the championship now maybe i'll watch his wrestlemania match but honestly those are people that probably would have gone to somebody's house and hung out and watched wrestlemania anyway right i don't see where he is a wrestlemania draw at this point because wrestlemania is the reason why people are watching not bill goldberg or brock lesnar right the casual fans will probably watch it but you and i that are diehards that understand it and all that does nothing for us Mm -hmm. so now, we have all these part-timers, the stars of the past. We have your Brock, your Brock Lesnar's, your John Cena. Do you see anyone now who is maybe 30 or younger who has the ability to maybe transcend the business and, like, skyrocket into the next face of the company? Do you think that guy is there yet, or do you think they haven't found that guy yet? Oh, that's a good question. And it's, a, um, it's an impossible question. <laughs> well, you know... I, you know, I, I guess I'll put the disclaimer on there. You don't know until you try. You know, put a rocket ship on one of these guys' backs and see what happens, you know. I suggest doing that with Corbin. You know, I know mm-hmm. he's, you know, kind of younger yet and, you know, what whatnot. But someone like that, put a rocket ship on him and see what happens, you know. I mean, he's got a pretty good program now with Ambrose. I like what they've done on SmackDown with the uh, the forklift there and, and whatnot. I thought that was a pretty good pretty good angle there. Um, AJ Styles on the guy you get behind, but he's not 30 or younger. He's 39, gonna be 40 mm-hmm. years old this year. Great performer, you know, probably 2016 overall wrestler of the year, no question. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not somebody you're gonna want to get behind for the next four or five years, you know, he's still in great shape, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, you know, um, don't know until you try, but give it a shot with Ambrose or Rollins or Kevin Owens or Cesaro or anyone. Give it, give it a shot and see what happens. Throw them in the main event, see what they can do, you know? Yeah, I remember hearing that about Finn Balor when he was still in NXT. They're like, he's going to be a huge superstar. But he's another guy who's in his mid-30s. He's not young. He's just new to North American wrestling. Um, the, one, the one thing that I, I think I realized is... His action figures look really cool because of all the different paint, that face paint, whatever that he uses. But he's another guy now. He's been out for eight months or however long it's been. I assume he'll be back soon. But you look at a guy. Yeah, you look at a guy who's 35 or whatever he is, 34, 35. He's just lost almost a whole year. 
he came up to the main roster. He was there for about a month. Now he's hurt for eight months, nine months. He's not going to be on the WrestleMania card. I don't know if he'll show up on there in some way, shape, or form. But, like, he's already behind the eight ball. Like, they, they had him. They lost him. He's been out for an extended period. So, yeah, I don't know who it is. And I don't, I don't know if it's Roman. I think Roman has a lot of potential. Um, I just watched WrestleMania 30 last weekend. And his ability in the ring, he's grown significantly. But they just can't figure out his personality. And I think without that, Apollo Crews is a perfect example. The guy can do anything inside the ring. But he can't find a way to get the fans to care about what he's doing in the ring. That's the hardest part and the most important part. And they can't figure that out for Roman. Um, And to some degree, they haven't figured it out with Seth because he was your weasel heel champion for seven months. Then he goes out injured. He comes back, wins the title, his first pay-per-view back, loses it ten seconds later. And then he's just kind of lost in the shuffle for another six or seven months. Well, they missed out out on him because when they did that 24 special. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh, it was WWE awesome. Network. His rehab. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they made him come off as a real sympathetic guy you'd want to rally behind. You'd, you'd think it'd be a no-brainer to have him babyface. <laughs> you'd think. But you have to have him heal again, you know? <laughs> that's that's why I get back to. These guys really get it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and, that was a shame. Yeah, it was that 24 special when everybody was raving about it. Everybody sure. was raving about, like, what a great guy he seemed like, and he, he built something of a character up that they could have used. He comes back in the Prudential Center in New Jersey, hits the pedigree on Roman Reigns, to this huge pop, and then he comes out on Monday, and immediately they have him trying to turn the crowd against him. It's like, why are you fighting against yourself? Terrible. Wouldn't you think Terrible. they would have learned a lesson from Daniel Bryan? That it was like they kept resisting, 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 and eventually it was like, you know what, we can't resist it. Why, do they, why do they resist... What seems to be even a guy like Heath Slater, who's not one of my favorites, but they sent him out there one week, just do something, and he gets the crowd behind him. They roll with it for about two months. He becomes a tag team champion, and then he becomes irrelevant again. It's like, how do you keep squandering when these guys get something going? It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he worked. Uh, Slater and Rhino worked a dark match at uh, at the SmackDown tape I went to. Well, Rhino's from Detroit, so they're mm-hmm. gonna cheer him anyways. But those guys are way over. Yeah, yeah. so. I don't know. I don't get it. They just drop the ball so easily with some of these storylines. They're so easy to like <laughs> furthering along and help develop the guy's character. You're right about Cruz. The guy is like, he's kind of lost out there. He doesn't really give him a personality or is it how he's booked? He did the thing with Ziggler. And, you know, I think Cruz could use some seasoning in NXT again. Um, send him down there and try to develop his character or something. In, like in the ring, he's pretty mm-hmm. good. But uh, I think some NXT seasoning would help him out a lot. Yeah, I never thought they should have called him up because my feeling was a lot of these guys are in NXT, especially a guy like him. They already knew what they were doing as far as the physical aspect. Like, he had a pretty significant independent career wrestling. He knew what he was doing in the ring. The part that you should be doing is working on the other stuff, the psychological aspects, the personality aspects, the character aspects. And they didn't do that for him. Like, if that's what he's there to work on, why did you send him up without fixing that right yeah didn't make any sense yeah yeah like corbin corbin's character is pretty easy the lone wolf he's just this big kind of badass guy that you know hates everybody he's in it for himself that's an easy character to get over especially when you have his look um but apollo it's like he's just out there smiling and that's not gonna get anybody's attention 
Yeah, yeah. I thought they would have put a rocket ship on Corbin's back too, right? We won the Battle Royal last year. Mm-hmm. That first match called up, but they really kind of didn't do anything with him either. Now, like season, I like the program he's in now with Ambrose and SmackDown. So, see what happens. Maybe they'll give him a, a main event push after the after that program is done. I, I don't know. I guess it depends who has the title. If they flip it to Orton, leave it on Bray for a while. And then they should leave it on Bray at least for three, four more months. Let him see what he can do with the belt. He's more than earned it, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's hard to believe that he's. I remember when I was at a Raw in '13 there, and when they were running the vignettes for the Wyatt family, those were awesome. <laughs> those 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 vignettes they run with him in the woods and all that, they were great. It's hard to believe it's over three years before they gave him a, a run with the title, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing is they they did such good production with that for so long, and then they wouldn't follow. They wouldn't pay it off with what happens on the actual show. It's like he just became empty words after a while. Um, now, obviously, he's won the title. D- do you like the story they've told with Bray and Randy since since the uh, end parts right of right after SummerSlam? Uh, parts of it I do. Um, I don't think a lot of people are buying into Randy Orton as a member of the Wyatt family. I think that was <laughs> probably tough to do. Randy Orton's one of my favorites mm-hmm. all the time. But, um, yeah, I think that was difficult for people to buy into. Um, I don't know. I mean... Rowan was hurt for a while. I guess he's ready to come back. And then Harper kind of separating. We heard the sister Abigail for years and there was mm-hmm. a sister Abigail when he was in NXT or ECW. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that's kind of off the table now too. I think we'll do them some favors. <laughs> they did bring a girl in, you know, to that. Um, yeah, I guess it's been okay. I guess we'll see what, what happened, where they go with it. You know, um, having a baby face burn a heels house down, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think that was kind of. I thought that that segment was very well done, but I'm not sure I follow the storyline all that much. Yeah, to your um, point, having a heel or having a baby face burn down the heels yeah, house, yeah. and then having your top heel AJ Styles come out the next week and say, "I never got my rematch. Right, my rematch was a triple threat match. Then the elimination chamber. Then I won a battle royal for the number one contendership." Then I had to beat Luke Harper for number one contendership. Now Randy Orton burned down, burns down Bray Wyatt's house. Not only is he not arrested, not only is he not going to jail, he's going to the main event of WrestleMania, yeah. and I'm not. It's like yeah. you just and made instead, your top heel sympathetic and right. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go beat up the the owner's yeah. son, who <laughs> <laughs> was actually on his side. Yeah, right. He was the one that kept saying, AJ, I believe AJ is right. the one who deserves the title right. shot. Yeah, but, SmackDown's been the better show for a long time, in my opinion. But, mm-hmm. yeah, some of that stuff is like, okay, now, well, you know, where is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it was like one of those things where it was like a detective's case with all the pieces of yard, right. it would be all over the board. Be all over the board, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope Orton puts him over, though, because he, he doesn't need the win, and I, I hope he puts him over. and. I'd like to see Bray run with the belt for a while and see what happens. And you could see Rowan come back and maybe even Harper help him win. I'm not sure how that match is booked, but uh, I'd like I'd like to see Bray win. That's what I'm hoping too. One, I think I think Bray could use it, and I think he he may have a really good, nice run with it. But also, I would love to see the the original three members of the Wyatt family back together. Uh, I think Me that too. would be cool to see because um, Rowan I know has been cleared to come back. We haven't seen Harper I think since he lost to AJ, so. Like what else are you going to do with him? But have him team back up with Bray. I, like maybe he sees okay, I was right about Randy all this time. Let me go help, you know, unseat him or keep him from gaining this title. Right, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, 
Last, last thing I, re- I want to ask you, and I'm really curious your opinion on this. Uh, most people that I talk to are products of the Attitude Era, if not completely stuck in the Attitude Era. Like, the Attitude Era was the, the best thing that there's ever been. Nothing before it was ever as good. Nothing after it will ever compare to it. Obviously, you have a lot of experience. Like you said, the Territory Days... The early rock and wrestling WWF days, you were there for the Attitude Era, you see the product now. Um, If you could watch wrestling in any era, you could tune in every week to one one specific era of the product, which would it be and why? Um, Probably mid-80s Georgia Championship Wrestling because it was so believable. (laughs) There was a mystique about it. You know, the bad guys were the bad guys. The good guys were the good guys. You didn't go to the house shows and see them coming out of the same locker room. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there was something about, like, you know, seeing, like, Abdul the Butcher in person, you know, and Mm -hmm. he had the foreign object with him, and he'd hit the the good guy when the referee's back was turned, you know. He had his manager out there doing the talking for him and, and things like that, and you had blood matches, and you had... You know, it was captivating television. It wasn't over-saturated like it is today. Mm-hmm. One or two hours of television every week, and you couldn't wait to hear what happened next week because it left with a cliffhanger, you know? And, um, you know, I guess the early NWA days, too. I saw Ric Flair wrestle Magnum TA for an hour, an hour time limit draw at a local place here, probably about 1985. Wow. And... You know, you'd never see that today. You'd never see an hour time limit draw, you know, in person for the for the world championship. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I saw him wrestle Ron, Ric Flair against Ronnie Garvin for a NWA world championship. <laughs> Another 60 minute draw. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you didn't think the title would change hands, but you just never know mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, kind of match you would get. And our time limit draw is awesome. And you weren't like, gosh, you're looking at your watch. Hey, is this almost over? You know, what, what's, you know it kept you on the edge of your seat the whole time, you know? Um, so I would say probably back then. I mean, I, I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not going to sour on any time period, but I would say if you, you know, if you wanted like a specific era, I would say it'd be that, you know, where, you know, villains were villains and good guys were good guys. And um, you, you bought into and believed in mm-hmm. the characters a lot more. Whereas today, you know, maybe not so much, you know, because like you said, we know we know too much because of the yeah. internet, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know when you you see Braun Strowman come out and to his music and his loud roar and uh, in, in destroying everybody <laughs> on Raw, and then you hear him on Jericho's podcast the next day and he's like talking like he's your best friend. Mm-hmm. It's hard to buy into that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's yeah. a weird dynamic that right. and and it can't be undone at this point. Like the the cat's out of the bag, and I don't right. know if there's any way to get it back in. Um, and th- this may be an unfair question to you because I have not given you any preparation for it. I just thought of it now. Is there anybody maybe back in the territory days who was underappreciated, who, who you think might have had a chance to thrive now? Or is there anyone now that you think is kind of underappreciated that may have thrived back then? Um, you know, I think there, you know, the, the uh, wrestling heel, I think, is almost a lost art. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Larry Zbysko earlier. Mm-hmm. I think it was the greatest heels of all time. Yeah, and I think he could have thrived in in today's world if they were still there was still you know mystique about there's still that mm-hmm. what you didn't know you know you didn't know that he was like your neighbor your yeah. best friend or something <laughs> you know I think that um, something like that could really thrive in in today's uh, today's world. Um, 
boy, uh, yeah, it's hard to pick out like any real, like you mentioned earlier, any hated bad guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Owens and The Miz are like the few that the crowd just, although Owens does get cheered a lot, yeah. the crowd really legitimately buys into you as a, mm-hmm. as a real bad guy. Um, I think though they could have been. I think Jericho back in the day, because he's such a great performer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not on a Mount Rushmore, but he's close. Just to, <laughs> you, you could argue his latest last year has been the his best work of his career. Yeah. You could almost argue that. You know, yeah. Uh, like he would have been great back then as a heel. I think he works much better as a heel than than a baby mm-hmm. face. But um, something like that, I think, would be would be real good back then. Okay, so, and th- this will be the official last thing that I ask. I know you're not super thrilled about this current WrestleMania card coming up. Um, what what are you looking forward to the most on this show? Is it the the Bray Wyatt Randy Orton match? Is it Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho? Is it something else? I know it's not Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. No, it's certainly <laughs> not Lesnar and Goldberg. Certainly not. Uh, yeah, you know, I would say Kevin Owens and Jericho. Um, cause I'm, I'm a fan of both of them and mm-hmm. I think they can put on a great match, not only the program leading up to it, you know, but the, the match itself, you know, Jarek was still great in the ring despite being, you know, 46 years old and, and Owens is, is fantastic also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they book some of the matches too. You know, um, I mentioned, I think Maurice will take the pin in the, yeah. in the match there. <laughs> Um, I would think the Shane and AJ match will be some kind of gimmicked match, which is like a last man standing mm-hmm. or a no disqualification or a street fight or something like that. Yeah, where Shane can um, do something crazy. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Get his revenge for getting beat up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was, I thought it was terrible how they had the car, the camera in the car the other night. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I thought I was supposed to believe that you just pick a car at random, you know? Yeah. But no, the camera was there waiting for him. You know? Yeah, AJ was so. with production. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not yeah. I'm not real overly excited. I think Braun Strowman probably will win the battle royal. At least he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my buddies at work mentioned that he's just going to squash everybody, throw everybody out of there in like two minutes, mm-hmm. just to build them up more. You know. Um, I don't think he should have been pinned in the last pay per view. I think he should have been protected more. Mm-hmm. I know they're trying to get Roman Reigns over again for the umpteenth time. Yeah. I get that, but. <laughs> But I think he should have been protected more, you know. Um, yeah, uh, Triple H Rollins not real thrilled about that one either. Um, Ambrose Corbin should be decent. Mm-hmm. So you think that that will be the crowning of new Intercontinental Champion, though? Probably, probably. I find it hard. They to probably will. Um, probably should. Probably the right booking decision. See what he can do. Run with the belt for a while. Yeah, and that, that's a guy, to, to the point you made earlier, like he could have a dominant run with the Intercontinental Championship and make it a big deal again. Right. You know, Don't know it you give him a chance. Yeah, he holds on to it until he's ready to, to compete for the top championship. But then by that time, whoever beats him for it, it'll mean something when he finally loses it. That's what I'd like to see. It's him have a dominant run as the Intercontinental Champion. Cause sure, really, see what he can do. Yeah, really, who, well, who is there that should really even be that much of a threat to him at this point? That would be competing. I mean, Dolph Ziggler is not going to be. He's already dominated Dolph Ziggler multiple times. <laughs> the Miz obviously would have no real chance against Baron Corbin. Um, well, through cheating, I guess he would have a chance. But you don't see anybody as a legitimate threat to Baron Corbin. On right. The roster, especially if he goes through Dean Ambrose, who... That's the one good... The, the one thing I feel like they've done really well with him consistent, consistently 
is that he's they've portrayed him as like he's almost indestructible. Like he'll get back up from anything. When Seth sure. Rollins beat him in that ladder match, he was covered in like a hundred ladders and chairs. <laughs> he still fought his way back to almost stop Seth from getting up the ladder. So yeah, maybe, he had all those staples in his head and all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ambrose is a great worker. I mean, he he nobody worked more dates in twenty sixteen than him. And he's really uh, is that true? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did not so, know that. Uh, yeah. So he's so. the working man of the company. All of this useless information that I have, so... <laughs> well, you just educated me, so it's not entirely yeah. <laughs> useless. <laughs> uh, well, you know what I, okay. I think is a lost art, too, mm-hmm. is a lost art of not only the heel, but a lost art of announcing. I think it's oh, almost yeah. a lost art. And, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know if it's the announcer's fault themselves, or if it's Kevin Dunn, or, or who it is, but it's almost like a lost art. When I grew up on Gordon Soley who I think is the greatest announcer mm-hmm. ever. And uh, he was just had that, uh, like I said, getting back to the major believe it, you know, mm-hmm. and just this uh, real eloquent, just precision type announcing. It was just his delivery was, was really good. The Gorilla Monsoon, I thought was a great announcer. Uh, I enjoyed listening to him in the, in the 80s and such. Um, I like Jim Ross, too, you know, in the raw, uh, when his raw run there in the, in the nineties and two thousands. I like Mauro Ronaldo a lot too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the announcing is kind of at a lost art and I'd like to see maybe um, some more, less production of them or words. They can, cannot say like belts and wrestling yeah. and fans <laughs> and the words that are like taboo. They can't say anymore. Yeah. I wish they'd kind of let them just, you know, let them just talk, you know? Yeah. It's silly. What, what are your feelings on Corey Graves? I think he's good. I like him. Um, I think Michael Cole is terrible, but, uh, I, I like, I like Corey Gray. I think he does a nice job. I hope you saw that, uh, the other day, the last week they had the top announcers rated Corey Gray's Nick was number two, more Ronaldo was number one. Mm-hmm. Michael Cole wasn't on the list at all. <laughs> Didn't like, make the list. Like, yeah. Kevin Kelly was on there. Kevin um, Kelly actually is good. Yeah. Right. Nigel McGinnis was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who else, but, uh. Yeah, uh, was Jr. on there or no? No, I think it was just based on guys that are doing the wrestling. I think he, I think he does the Japan stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that was considered or part of the list or something. Yeah, I'm not I'm, sure. I either. can't remember. Like I feel like as much as I know he's there doing it, I feel like nobody talks about it. So it's like, yeah, maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't. It, it is like a weird thing that he's he's not in retirement. Like he is announcing, but it's like people don't realize it for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Morrow is good. I like Corey Graves. You're right, though. Michael Cole is terrible. Uh, David Otunga is terrible. Do they, and do they need right. Tom Phillips on that table at SmackDown? Do they need four guys on absolutely the two-hour show? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, I heard a rumor that Phillips was there to feed Otunga his lines. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is true, then why does he just say that himself, you know? Yeah. But whatever. And not to mention, whatever. why even bother? Because David Otunga has not said anything of value. <laughs> the the only thing I think Atunga has said in the time he's been back that I've even chuckled at was the first time he called James Ellsworth's no chin music. Okay. That was it. Yeah. And that and that was more just because I think I think the no chin jokes about Ellsworth are funny, not that Atunga right. said anything all that great, but I did laugh at that. Um right. you're right though, that that's a the the state of commentary is definitely not in the 
that talent roster is not nearly as deep as it's been. Yeah. And and I don't know if it's their fault or if it's Kevin Dunn or Vinnie Mack or whoever's producing them, if it's them feeding them the lines on what to say, or if there's restrictions on what they can do. So I'm not going to entirely blame them. It may be, you know, how they're produced, you know, like I thought Tony Schiavone was terrible. (laughs) Speaking of speaking of Tony Schiavone, during the Attitude Era, I was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I knew I know you're not a WCW fan, right. but I was going back and forth <laughs> yeah. between Nitro and Raw. Mm-hmm. In the night when you know Foley won the title against The Rock mm-hmm. on Raw, when Shivani said, well, "That'll put a lot of butts in the seats," and that'll yeah. you know that, he's their champion, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I immediately I immediately turned over my team <laughs> to, to USA. He prompted me to me and five hundred thousand others, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, you were not alone in that, but you were one of the, once again, yeah. you're one of the, the 93,173 right. in the Pontiac Silverdome. You're yeah. one of the half million or more people who flipped right. back over to WWF. And, and one could argue that was part of the, part of what started the downfall of WCW. Could, yeah. One could argue even that. I mean, they were kind of headed that way, but it really catapulted that. You know, WWF at the time beating them in the ratings, you know? Yeah, that's sort of a weird, like a weird thing that, like, WWF obviously was the top dog for quite a few years at that point. WCW comes along, raids a lot of the top talent. They hit a home run with the NWO and they start to win in the ratings. They start killing WWF in the ratings. And WWF starts acknowledging WCW for the first time. You know, with Billionaire Ted and the Huckster and all that stuff. And then WWF found their footing in, like, 96 into 97, 97 into 98. And by that time, when they kind of hit their stride and started gaining on the ratings, they weren't, I, I feel like they weren't really paying much attention to WCW anymore. And WCW was do, spending all their time just trying to tear down WWF as opposed to building right. themselves up anymore. Right. I, the I only agree. real WCW stuff I remember at that point was when X-Pac showed up that first night after WrestleMania 14, and they let him cut his promo on Hogan and Bischoff, and then Gilbert. I, I feel like other than that, WWF just kind of paid attention to themselves and what they were doing, and WCW is too busy focusing on trying to tear down WWF, when clearly the, the tables had already turned. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. The night that uh, Foley won the title, they had uh, they were sold. Uh, WCW was sold out. You know, from the Georgia Dome. Mm-hmm. That was right after Goldberg had lost for the first time. Yeah. They did that real silly angle with him getting arrested or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was crazy. But, yeah. uh, good times though. I mean, gr- great times. If you're a wrestling fan back then, it was you know. Oh yeah, awesome. everybody. I was a 19 year old kid in 1998. And literally everybody I knew watched wrestling in some capacity. May sure. not have all watched it every week, but everybody at least watched one of the shows, and everybody at least knew what was going on and knew who most of the guys were. Sure. If we were getting together to watch a pay-per-view, I mean, we had no less than 20 people showing up to watch one. Now it's like right. I have the same five or six people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and most people I know don't know. I mean, I have people at work. Still asking me, like, you know, it's not real, right? And then I have to have that conversation every day. Right, yeah. yeah me too. <laughs> yeah, I heard you mention that in the last podcast you did, that people at work say that. And you know what's funny is that it, I get a hard time once in a while about fake or whatnot mm-hmm. or, you know, why you're watching that. But I'll tell you, Jerry Lawler was here a couple of weeks ago 
did uh, an indie show up here and did a signing, and I met mm-hmm. him for the first time, and he signed a signed a DVD for me, and I got a picture with him and all that, and mm-hmm. I put it on my desk at work, and you'd be amazed how many people said, oh, you and Jerry Lawler, huh? So all these closet wrestling fans coming out of the woodwork, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is funny when... Because that's the other thing. As much as people act like, oh, I can't believe you still watch that, there's nobody I know who doesn't have at least some experience with wrestling. Like, everybody has some memory revolved around wrestling or knows some wrestler, has watched some wrestler, even even women that I know. Like, there's nobody that has been able to just completely avoid it their whole lives. Like, it's touched somebody's life in some way, somewhere along the line. Did you know there's more women watching wrestling now than ever before? Dave Meltzer really? had, an article, had an article about it. He said that there's more women watching wrestling now. And the, unfortunately, the other way it's gone down, there's less guys watching mm-hmm. it now, especially the demographics like 18 to 35. But the older guys that like go over 40 and such mm-hmm. are, you know, are still watching it. But the women is like an all, at an all-time high. And I don't know if it's part of the entertainment aspect. There's more female characters now. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what the reason is, but a lot more – well, a lot more families are watching it too, so that's probably part of it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I actually had been wondering that because I wrote an article for TJR last year theorizing like because everybody keeps talking about like the boom periods there was like the hogan era there was the attitude era and those are the only times it was really that big and one of my theories was maybe the next boom is if they actually can tap into a female fan base which hasn't really been there like i thought maybe women's wrestling would be the catalyst for the next boom period because it's an untapped resource for them really um Obviously, it hasn't led to a boom right now, but I guess if the female audience is increasing, that's probably a good thing. Sure. Yeah, Meltzer did an article about it a couple of weeks ago, how the female, uh, a lot more females are watching it now. But like you say, a lot of the families are, too, so they could just mm-hmm. be watching it with their kids or whatnot. But uh, you'd be going like a house show or whatnot or whatever. Look around, there's a lot more women there. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I've noticed that at NXT shows, a lot more women at the shows. And... I've noticed on Twitter a lot of people commenting on wrestling are like more women than I would have expected. Um, but I wasn't sure if that actually was reflected in the viewership numbers or whatever metrics they go by. So that's that's right. interesting. Um, Speaking of women's matches mm-hmm. and women's wrestling, the show you were at in Brooklyn in 2015, mm-hmm. the Sasha banks Bailey match, best female match I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Number one. Yeah, yeah it was it, tremendous. If you remember before I mentioned the triple threat match at the Rumble being arguably the best match I've ever seen live, uh, the one it's in an argument with is that match, the Sasha Banks-Bailey match, because that was why uh, my friend Aaron and I went to Brooklyn. That like that was our main selling point for that pay-per-view yeah. was that match. That's what we went there to see, and, I mean, they exceeded all of our expectations that night. Tremendous. Then we, got to, we got to see the, the Four Horsewomen curtain call. Right, And I remember then, my, the first thing I ever wrote, like the, the actually the sample article I sent into John Canton was me saying Sasha Banks is the next Shawn Michaels. Basically, she has like the, the showmanship, the personality. She's got all the flashy ring gear like he had. Yeah. She's like a little bit smaller, but she carries herself with such a big personality. Yeah. She doesn't have to win a match to steal the show. And uh, all these different comparisons I made, and that's what actually got me signed on to write there. Um, so that night I remember thinking like, I feel like I kind of came full circle. Like I got to see her steal the show in a match that she lost for the title. 
um, and then have the curtain call like the click did all those years ago in Madison Square Garden. Like, it's kind of cool that I was here for this. Um, yeah, that match was unbelievable. And then, of course, the Iron Man match wasn't quite as good, but even that I thought was really good. Pretty good, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, I felt bad for... I felt bad for Owens and, and uh, <laughs> Ben that had to follow that. Yeah. yeah, it was weird because I got emotional watching the women's match. I know a lot of people in our section did, and that crowd was full throat for that whole whatever it was, 18 minutes that those women were in there. And, yeah, you could feel a difference just in the arena. Like, everybody was spent by the time. And it's like they had a good match, but it just didn't. Right. Nobody could invest quite the same way. They should have had a yeah. cool-off or something between there. Yeah, how many times you see uh, grown men like our age <laughs> getting up and, cla- and clapping along to a, a women's uh, entrance theme, Bailey's theme? I mean, yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was the first time I because re- I think I thought Bailey was over in front of the full sale crowd, like almost all of those performers are. That was the first time I realized I was like, wow, this is eighteen thousand people here, and these people love her. I was like, I'm, I was kind of surprised by it because I, I knew I liked her, but I was like, I don't know if she has the same appeal that like Charlotte did or that Sasha does. And I was like, well, you know what? They're in good hands with Bailey because these fans absolutely adore her. And she had Sasha, I thought, had the best NXT women's title run those seven months. Um, then Bailey's was awesome. And now Asuka's has been, hasn't gotten to quite the same level of popularity but she's about to have had the belt for a full year. Full year, yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. crazy to think that it's been that long. Yeah. When, when they first started talking about that, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting time to be a wrestling fan, though. I will say that. Things are always changing. There's so many different avenues that you can go down and watch. Like, there's so many different promotions. Will there ever be a legitimate competition for WWE again? Not unless uh, you have a hundred. Somebody's got a hundred million dollars that they're willing to lose to try to compete with them. You know. Yeah, it, I, I assume tough, neither yeah. one of us has that. Yeah, it's tough. He's just got such a stranglehold on the on the business. It, it, it's tough. You know, TNA tried it when they went head to head with mm-hmm. them on Monday nights. Just didn't work out. And uh, I don't think ROH and these other promotions have the financial resources that Vinnie Mac has. So I, I can't see it anytime soon. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, have you seen Lucha Underground at all? You know, the first year it was on, I did. I, I, I watched it quite a bit, and then I moved, and I don't have the El Rey Network anymore. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's on Netflix now, though, from from what I heard. Yeah, it was just released so, sometime um, this past week. Yeah, um, it, it was okay. I'm not a fan of the male against female fighting. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of that. I know they do some of that there. Um you know, Prince Puma and uh, John Morrison was Johnny Mundo. Mm-hmm. Oh, some of their work was pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> like I haven't seen it lately, but yeah. from what I saw, it was okay. It was it was different. You know, different presentation in that, different announcing, mm-hmm. and whatnot. I saw about half of one episode like two years ago, and nothing since then. So actually, when we finish this up, that's probably what I'm going to be doing for the next couple hours is watching a couple episodes of Lucha Underground just to see what I've missed. <laughs> right, right. I'm curious. I think Matt Stryker and uh, Vampiro were the announcers, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, don't yeah. Even, I didn't even remember the announcers where it was like I saw, I saw like a little bit of storyline that led into whatever the last match on that show was. 
I was like, well, I will give them credit. This is definitely a very different presentation than what we're used to seeing. Um, yes. yes. So I'm, I'm anxious to give it a shot and see, see if I like it or not. Um, but Tom, thank you very much for sitting down and doing this with me. I had a great time talking to you. Great. Uh, a year and a half in the making. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to doing this again if you're ever up for doing it one more time. Sure. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Ron. And I had a great time as well. Good, yeah. Like I, I want this to be a place where any wrestling fan gets an opportunity to, to share their opinions. I get to do it every week, uh, sometimes twice a week. So it's, it's fun to let somebody else get an opportunity to do it. They don't get to do it as often as I do. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to doing this with you again. Anytime you want to, always feel free to reach out, and I'll, I'll make some time to get it done. Okay. All Thanks, right. Ron. And no problem. Take care. You got Take it. Care. So, for yeah. Tom Scully, I am Ron Pashery. This has been Matt Madness Unsanctioned, and we will see you next time. They talking all the day, talking all the day. Hop on the top rope, by the land with this elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't shake the land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.